it is generally looked down on to dox people. Welcome to episode number 175 of Grumpy Old Men's for Friday, July 9th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the weather's heating up, the violence is heating up, and, well, I, I said, it's Chirac. And from America's left coast, where even the rapists support freedom of speech, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah, but does the Washington Post, I mean, that's the question. No. No, and at this point, that's why I, I respect Bill Cosby a hell of a lot more than I respect Jeff Bezos at this moment. Well, that's probably true. And I mean, the Cosby thing was weird. It was just a very weird case. It was all he said, she said. And I don't know Bill Cosby. He may be a big douchebag. There's some people around him that seem to think he was not guilty of these things, like uh, Patricia Rashad. The wife of on the Cosby it's, it's show. It's really hard to think he's not guilty, judging by the fact that he confessed to it. Yeah, well, I don't know what he exactly confessed to. Oh, well, there's that. And we all know when it comes down to the drugs that were involved, you know, quaaludes. The reality is, a lot of people were doing that recreationally then, and there's a lot of people that are doing that recreationally now. You well, don't and, know and, if you've been like, "Hey, you want to do this?" And the woman said, "Yes." And it's it's a very hard thing, which I think we mentioned this when we talked about the Cosby thing on the last show, that it, you're going to just have to get people to sign a contract now. Well, and to be clear, the thing that I respect Bill Cosby for is not the the drugging people and raping of women. That's kind of a, a bad form. It's not very nice. Uh, the the thing that I kind of respect him for was coming out and. uh uh, he uh, was defending uh, you, you, you remember the, the Felicia Rashad right. was having getting static from the students at her university saying she should be canceled for defending him. And he came out and lashed right back. And and he's you know, I, I love when people you know reach that age where they're like, I don't have to be politically correct anymore. I don't have to watch what I say. And he just said it. I don't have to. Wear uh, pants. He said. Yeah, so he he said, uh, Howard University, you must support one's freedom of speech. Uh, talking about Rashad said, which is taught or okay, this quote hurts me. So I don't know <laughs> if, if Cosby was retarded or or if it was, but Howard University, you must support one's freedom of speech, which is taught or supposed to be taught every day at that renowned law school, which resides on your campus. And then said. The mainstream media has become the insurrectionist who stormed the Capitol. Those same media insurrectionists are trying to demolish the Constitution of these United States of America on this Independence Day. And uh, it, 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 I mean, that was hard to read, but uh, he's exactly right. <laughs> well, you need to have the dialogue. No matter what the topic is, you need to have the dialogue. And when you start shutting somebody down. For whatever reason, whether it's, oh, no, the drug you're talking about is dangerous or no, this person did a bad thing to somebody yeah. else or this person used the N word or this person did this. Yes, we need to have the conversation about how many how much roofies is is appropriate for one particular drink. Yeah. Omega Project said uh, Cosby gave Quaaludes a bad name. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the kind of stuff you'll find. I thought, I thought Quaaludes gave Quaaludes a bad name, but what do I know? <laughs> yeah, it's the great content. It's the best way to listen to Grumpy Old Benz's live Mondays and Fridays, noon Eastern time. Noagendastream.com. Hop into the troll room and see what's going on in there. There's always fun stuff. Most of the time, they're just telling us we're full of crap, but we appreciate that when uh, when they're right. Every now and then, every now and then the trolls get one right. But freedom of speech is important for a nation because without it, you go into the totalitarian concept, which then means nobody has any freedoms whatsoever. It's like this Green New Deal. They want to push this down our throat. One side does. Now, Glenn Beck was talking to a guy that said, you know, we did the we did the math on this. And if the electric vehicles with everything that is needed to make them, the metals that are needed, everything that's needed to go into the batteries and the cars themselves. And then if they're powered by coal powered plants, which a lot of electric vehicles are, they found that that is still worse for the environment than a gas powered car. No doubt. So anything that that requires rare earth metals, you're you're already I mean, coal is plentiful, Um, even uh, gasoline, oil, crude oil is there's a lot of that compared to, say, cobalt or iridium or or uh, the platinum or whatever, whatever the, the the super rare metals that they use in there. Those are the things that if if we really push through a lot of these big ideas. Everybody needs an electric car. Well, then we're going to run the earth out of something that is far more rare than, than crude oil. It, well, and there's a lot of people who believe they're doing the right thing for the environment by buying an electric vehicle. If you quash these voices that are going, well, no, if you add this and this and this, and then you power it by coal, you're actually have a bigger carbon footprint on that vehicle than a gas-powered car. I don't think most Although, of the people know that. I, I wonder, though, the the if you power it by coal. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it seems it's like, different if you power it. If you have a magical place like you, if you have a big waterfall yeah. and you can I, I, get yeah. hydroelectric, then, yeah. I, I do live, yeah, I do live in a magical place where there's water up in the mountains and it's coming down at a very high rate. And if you put a concrete wall in the way, you can turn that into electricity. Although, of course, you know, the thing that all of the environmentalists and greenies around here are pushing for is they want us to breach all the dams because a salmon might not make it. So their answer is you can't do nukes. You can't do hydroelectric. No, Uh, Uh, they're okay with windmills because they hate birds. uh, Maybe that's it. Or or the the, the group of people who are who hate birds are. I, uh, different from the group of people who love windmills. I don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, you know, believe it or not, it's, it's certainly a lot of fun to complain about the left as if it's one giant blob of people, but frankly, it, nothing could be farther from the truth. And there are uh, an unlimited number of hive minds that form in there. It's, it's hilarious. If you have people who don't want to be individuals and want to be part of a collective, but they nobody can agree on which collective to be part of. So what you end up with is millions of individual collectives. It gets confusing. And you don't know which side is. you're on. And so, uh, you know, maybe some of them really like birds and so I don't know. I, 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 if you take the logical extension of all of the arguments of, well, we can't have this power supply because of this, we can't have this power supply, then eventually, I guess what we need is to no longer have electricity. But 
if you do decide to drag everybody kicking and streaming, screaming, or streaming, <laughs> no, we're kicking and streaming here. We are kicking and streaming right now. Uh, if you decide to drag them all back to the the pre-industrial age, then uh, let's see, where are people going to do okay? Hint, it's not the cities. Without a constant supply of electricity, all you people hold up in your glass towers are not going to last long. You'll, you'll somehow, I mean, Seattle would become ground zero for the local zombie apocalypse if electricity were actually turned off or turned out. I mean, if they breached all these dams, and said, we can't have coal. We can't like everybody put a solar panel on your roof in Western Washington where the sun doesn't shine. Yeah. Let's make that work. You know, who's going to do well? Oh, that'd be the people out in rural who have five acres or, or more and, and a farm and cattle. And I mean, you take their power away and they're like, well, okay, I guess we'll, uh, we'll switch to the outhouse because we don't want that. You know, we can't flush in the house anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a certain element that would like to take the first world rather than raising the third world they want to take the first world back down because it's unfair that we have these crazy things that's, like electricity that's what equity is yes everybody's the same it, it is it is it is infeasible to bring everybody up to the same level but they can see a path that involves cutting everyone down to the same level so if your end goal is that everybody must be enforced at the point of a gun at being at the same level you just have to put everybody into equal poverty and that's what socialism and communism does yay yay uh, i thought it was interesting joe biden who cognitively just does not seem to be there and this seems yeah, to be getting Biden worse. And cognitive are not two words that belong in the same sentence no and it seems to be getting worse uh, at a fairly quick pace and i mean there's a reason why when you look at his daily schedule usually it's uh he's gonna make a couple of remarks at like two in the afternoon and that's it it's a it's not a busy day for joe he was in the chicago area the other they, day they, they've with, got a carefully balance the reanimation drugs that may be what it is or it's it's the uh, it's the alzheimer's or dementia drugs and they know he'll be lucid at a certain time of the day usually you know once the sun starts going down it gets worse but there's an article that just popped before we started doing the show that said biden will sign a sweeping new executive order today aimed at cracking down on the anti-competitive behavior of big tech, which is interesting to me because big tech got him elected. Yeah. yeah, I, man, I, I, I like the idea on its face and I just know for sure that the Biden administration will fuck it up somehow or, or, you know, include a bunch of, of pork or, or just, you know, include some clause. that's like, Oh, and by the way, we're banning all guns and all gas powered cars or something. I don't know. (laughs) Right. I don't trust them in any way, shape or form. Even the times when they come out and do something that is objectively good, like if they actually are cracking down, I I, I don't trust them to not do it in a corrupt manner. This executive order will be comprised of 72 actions and recommendations. That's a lot already. That's a lot for Joe. 72. I mean, I don't think Joe can't do it. Hasn't done 72 things. Yeah. The White House says, quote, that the order is intended to then sorry quote reduce the trend of corporate consolidation increase competition and deliver concrete benefits 
to America's consumers, workers, farmers, and small businesses. But concrete. Yeah. Concrete. concrete was against the environment. Oh. <laughs> deliver. Con- yeah. I guess we all we're, get- we're going to, we're going to deliver concrete. <laughs> Joe would be like, well, we promised you concrete benefits. Everybody's getting sand. Everybody's getting water. Everybody's getting, uh, a little what else you mix in with concrete it's uh it's what sand uh, uh, lime maybe yeah lime maybe depends so. on the recipe i don't know believe it or not i don't i don't mix concrete very often <laughs> no i actually i know here's what you mix in with concrete you go out and get one of those bags of concrete, powder concrete and you mix, mix it with water <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's magic you just buy it in the bag at the home depot exactly <laughs> it says uh, this includes a broad range of goals and initiatives such as urging the FTC and the Justice Department to, quote, challenge prior bad mergers that the past administration let slide. So they're going to go after mergers that happened under Trump. Like, are you going to try to can you undo a merger that happened four years ago? I I don't have the exact statistics in front of me because I didn't see this coming. But um, well, uh, I I, what they honestly know, you can't undo a merger. But um, I, I just wanted to, to perform a little bit of what about ism. Um, the number of mergers of, of big corporate mergers under Trump was in the order of, of dozens. Um, the but like in Trump's four years, there were fewer mergers than in any year uh, under Obama. Just the the way that the economy was going and the uh, the the climate for uh is supporting huge corporations and and giving you know benefits to people i tax shelters i i don't know i just like it it wasn't the trump administration that that was the point where everything went all corporate no no i mean it's been going on for a long time and there's a fine line for everybody that wants to be like oh i hate all these big businesses it's like well okay but if they all move out of the country then you're going to go back to a third world country because that's how the economy works, which, of course, is the excuse that people use for that's why we want to get rid of this. all this stuff. So much of the stuff that's happening. A lot of people are going, well, why would they want that? Why would they do that? Well, to crash everything. Yeah, and that's that's why, because they don't like this. I mean, just like just like Joe's infrastructure bill, I, I I love the idea that we would do something about infrastructure. But as as John C. Dvorak loves to point out, uh, nothing in that bill seems to be fixing the potholes on I-80 outside his house. And and yet there is a, a heavy, heavy dose of social justice in these bills that just doesn't need to be there. Well, yeah, when Biden was here in Chicago, it was like, oh, he authorized another two billion dollars for the city. And I'm thinking for what? I mean, what are you going to do with that money? You're not, uh, you're not hair gel for the mayor. Yeah, you're not stopping crime. You're not increasing the police force. You're not doing something to take care of the inherent problem that the city has. And this is getting very serious when it comes to the crime in the cities. You, I'm sure, saw the video of the Neiman Marcus heist in San Francisco. and. This is getting to be commonplace where you have a group of people. I think in the, the Neiman Marcus case, it was nine people that went into the store, just slammed, uh, broke a bunch of the cases, grabbed whatever they could and sure. off the shelves and just ran out knowing nobody's going to do anything. They, I mean, they, they were probably they, very careful to check those prices. 
the word is out that the incentive structure has changed and that crime has no consequence. And as a result, we are getting crime is becoming more and more organized. We it used to be, you know, one guy rolling into a shop with a bicycle, cleaning out a shelf and then leaving, you know, but they're not even trying to hide anymore because they know it doesn't matter. They can get their face up on a video and it can be all over YouTube and they know damn well that there, there's still no consequences. Well, yeah, we both worked retail and when we did, people tried to hide shoplifting. Yeah. (laughs) Now, and and even you know even back then we i at least when around where i was like our company policy was if if a manager didn't watch the person grab the item put it under their vest and then walk out through the door and have eyes on them at all times they couldn't make a stop and i could sit here and watch somebody walk in grab a stack of shirts and walk back out into the mall and i could do nothing because company policy was let it happen yeah and and, and but very few people would do that because at least mall security if mall security saw him do that was a totally different thing. Um, but nowadays there there's no such thing as security because they do not want to protect the companies. They don't like the companies. They don't want you to be able to protect your property. Yeah, if somebody comes into your want, house. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's not just companies property. It's it's you'll own nothing and like it. Well, yeah. Where was it? We uh, had talked about that. There was a law that said if somebody came into your house, but wasn't doing you personal harm you couldn't do anything to them if they were just like taking everything you owned robbing you blind as long as they weren't threatening you with bodily injury you couldn't do anything like where where was this it wasn't this this was a story not long ago that was like no unless i think it might have been california no maybe it was texas it was something bizarre Uh, it might have been california i don't know if i believe texas it's like yes it was austin it was like unless they're Unless they are threatening you with bodily harm, if they're in your house, you can't do anything because, you know, they're just victims. They're just robbing you. It's not it's a nonviolent crime robbery, even though they broke into your house to do it. It's a nonviolent crime. So you can't shoot them in the ass. Yeah, well, I mean, if 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 that if they instituted that in Chicago, there probably wouldn't be any shootings over the weekend anymore. (laughs) There would be a lot more shootings. (laughs) People while trying to get their guns like everybody has a gun. Yeah, everybody has a gun, which means you can just walk into somebody's living room, grab it off the table and leave. And they can't do anything. Right. Yeah, because it's illegal. It's kind of uh, like it's illegal to have the gun. Right. And we know everybody follows laws. They do. They do. This uh, other the executive order from Biden also pushing the FTC to ban or limit non-compete agreements and occupational licensing requirements that the White House argues impede economic mobility. OK, so, well, you know, I, I mean, I kind of agree that they impede economic mobility i'm not a huge fan of uh, of i'm not a huge fan of a government ban on anything but i i mean yeah non-compete agreements are pain in the ass they are but i mean this comes down to if somebody hires you and you don't have a non-compete agreement they can basically train you and then you quit and go use that for somebody else because you're automatically better trained. Yes. So. But if if the job is worth keeping, most people will keep it. Yes. No, I agree. And although this is something I, I can mean, see if, if, if your company you- is if your company is so crappy that you you train somebody and they've been through the, the two or four weeks of training, be like, OK, I'm out. Then you've got an HR problem that goes beyond spending money on training. 
Yes. And I don't think there should be a law that says you have to have non-compete agreements. But if somebody wants a job bad enough that it's getting them something that they desire, then if they sign a non-compete agreement, I don't think there should be any reason why that uh, that shouldn't be a possibility. But so I mean, what, one of the laws that that's still on the books in Washington that absolutely infuriates the unions who are running the state, it's one of the things that they target to get rid of all the time is uh the idea washington is an at-will employment state i don't i don't know if uh, illinois looks like this but uh what it means is that uh either the employee or the employer has a right to end the uh the job the the work agreement for at any time for any reason no matter what and um the one of the results is is that uh if if the company decides they don't want you working there anymore, um, then it's actually it's really hard to bring a a, a wrongful termination suit right. against a company because the company is like they don't even tell you. They won't tell you why you were let go because they don't have to because they can just say, oh, we don't need your services anymore. You've got two weeks. Good. You know, we'll, we'll give you two weeks of pay. But clean out your desk. Security is going to escort you out and you get no explanation whatsoever. And and at the same time, uh, if if you want to leave the company, you have the right to do that, too. And what the unions want, of course, is that the company has to keep you on for as long as you care to work there. But you can leave at any time, which right. is uh, it, it is kind of asymmetric. Well, um, and it's also interesting the, with these right to work. Where it's like, well, yeah, you can be fired for any reason. There's always the but, uh, caveat. right to work is different from at will. Okay, so but, but, there's yeah. nothing that says they can't uh, do it for age reasons, for sexual reasons, for you know whatever. Well, there there are federal laws, and companies get sued for that sort of thing all the time. But if you are a company and you need to let somebody go, uh, then you just don't say anything and yeah. your chances you like never ever if, if you're a company then every corporate lawyer will tell you never ever tell somebody why they're being let go well yeah. ever because, because they'll turn around and try to sue you over that well they're going to anyway because it's so messed up if you are a company even in under that kind of a law and you go okay um well we can't fire bob because he's the oldest and if we fire him we're gonna get sued on age discrimination we can't yeah. uh, we can't fire John because he is a, a transsexual. And if we do that, then we're going to get sued for that. It's it's a very funny kind of a concept because it never works. When, when Microsoft went through their rounds of layoffs uh, at the beginning of Win 10, uh, one of the things that they did was for any employee who was over 40 at the time, uh, they included in the the packet uh, you know, among other things, of course, they had very generous severance packages that said, if you complain or sue us at all, you don't get this. And, you know, that shut most people up. <laughs> yeah. But um, if if an employee was over 40, they actually included a stat sheet that showed everybody in the round of layoffs, their position, their tenure in the company and their age just to show you evidence that, no, we're not firing you because you're old. We're firing you. For reasons that we're not going to specify, but we fired a lot of other people who are old, too, well, or young. Or- right. Well, that's it. We're like, we need to fire Bill because he's the oldest guy and we want to get rid of the oldest guy. 
But then we're going to so fire they, Jack, too, because he's young. Yeah. <laughs> just- so they fire. Yeah. And if you fire both Bill and Jack at the same time, then Bill can't complain that it was because he was old, even if it was. Right. Collateral damage, kid. That's the way the system yeah. works. Sorry, Jack. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, OK, you don't think that's exactly what these companies do? And, and then six weeks later, you rehire Jack. Right. It's amazing how that works. Oh, wait, we have we had another opening. Come on back. Uh, of yeah. course, in this executive order that uh, Creepy Joe's doing, call on the FTC to restore net neutrality. The laws that were unraveled by the Trump administration. I want to know what has the net neutrality laws changed? What has it changed at all over the last eight uh, years? Nothing. <laughs> I, right, I can't figure it out why this is still a topic. And, and, but but it's 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 a hot topic because you can. You can either argue that you, because net neutrality was never really implemented, at least not the way they wanted. So you can, if you're on one side, you argue that, uh, I want, you know, net neutrality didn't work because it wasn't fully implemented. And on the other side, you can say net neutrality didn't work because we stopped it from being implemented or, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it was, it was a terrible idea that, but, but like many terrible ideas in science, it, it, relied on an unverifiable claim that oh well we can make everything better if we just do this and uh when it's all too often that those claims end up moving over into politics right well it doesn't make sense the whole oh we have to treat every bit of data the same on our network well now if the data that is being used the pipe to carry your actual phone calls that people are making are the same data pipes that are handling everybody streaming Netflix, then if way too many people are streaming Netflix, people may not be able to get a call through, and then they're going to drop your service. I mean, you have to keep your service going. So the the concept that you have to treat every bit of data, every little bit the same way, is nuts because your your home router doesn't do that. So and and remember that there's there's always the scenario that somebody has to bring up about uh, what what if a doctor is performing remote surgery or something, and uh, have a good buffer, which, which I always thought was well, yeah you know what you need is low latency. So, yeah, oh, very low latency. Uh, yeah, um, I, which it sounds like a tremendously contrived scenario. Not that it has never happened, but. Uh, the, the real time streams that are getting displaced by live video streams more often are going to be things like you and I connecting over clean feed, which, well, very, very important to us and to our experts is not exactly life or death. Well, speak for yourself. Well, you didn't die when your system <laughs> rebooted. Did no, you? it went blue screeny, blue screeny, blue screeny audio. And, uh, oh, Microsoft, dr- is there drivers. any way you can't screw us? No, they do. On, on almost on a daily basis, it seems. Yes. But Are you familiar with the phrase print nightmare? The uh, yeah, the that's the problem with everything that's been going on with these Microsoft updates where one of them it's breaking a- the, the printing. But uh, w- one of the other things, this uh, Biden thing, establish rules on surveillance and accumulation of data by giant tech companies. So while I think that's good, uh, do I want the government to uh, I mean, no. <laughs> no, because there's no possible way they can do it without corruption. Yeah, it, 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 it unintended consequences or, or, you know, if you're cynical, then a lot of these consequences are starting to seem pretty damn intended. Yes, but they're they're still not what we're being sold. 
Another one was encouraging the FTC to prevent Internet service providers from striking deals with landlords that limit tenants choice, which the White House said can prevent broadband infrastructure expansion by new providers. Wait, wait, am I reading this? Is is this regulation that says that we need every single ISP to run lines into every apartment complex? So if you put up if you put up like a hundred unit apartment complex right on on the seashore in Miami, right, then the apartment complex, they don't want a thousand wires running down every hallway. So usually what they'll do is they'll wire up every unit for whatever they need and have one ISP come in. And that's now uh, that's now going to be illegal. Yes. The F they want uh, the White House wants the FTC to make sure that those people that run those apartments have to let multiple Internet service providers in if they're available. OK, if, if they're going to start doing this, then can maybe they start with something a little more evil like uh I don't know, like start banning HOAs and stuff. Like if you want, if if oh, you yeah. want to interfere in the covenants that, that you uh, agree to when you start living somewhere, uh, let's go somewhere that is actually unreasonable. Well, and I think the, in a vast the, majority of these places, there's only one ISP available most of the time. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's true. There's a lot of places where you just like, if you want broadband, this is what you get. Nothing else. The another thing in this, which I didn't really uh, I mean, I guess this is because they, they hate the big pharma now to lower prescription prices by supporting state and tribal efforts to import cheaper drugs from Canada. Like, really, that's an answer Wait. to something. Um. OK, so wasn't one of the very first things Biden signed was an executive order where he canceled Trump having done exactly that? I think so. Yeah. So. <laughs> Trump Trump did exactly that. And one of the first things that Biden did was cancel it and jack up the price of EpiPens and and diabetes medicine. Right. We talked about a lot. Trump's uh, his he was stressing lowering drug prices over his term and actually made some inroads, which was you know why big uh, pharma didn't really like him. Uh, you know, until he gave them the bill, you know, until he gave them the uh, carte blanche to make the vaccines. And then, you know, they kind of made up a little bit. Uh, not really, because the, you know, big pharma's uh, propaganda arm, a.k.a. the, you know, MSNBC and 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 the CNN and uh, seem to have had it out for him from day one and never let up. So, I, I mean, is there any question that that the mainstream news is is dominated by big pharma? Just look at what what uh, advertisements they run. Yeah, well, on all of them, which uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Fox, MSNBC. Well, yeah. It's uh, I mean, far, I don't, I guess I don't consider Fox to be particularly different from any of the other ones. No. And they are a lot of a lot of drug ads. No question about it. Um, they also want to allow hearing aids to be sold over the counter now, which I didn't know. You know, if this is not happening already, uh, um, okay. I, I mean, I, I know there are. I'm actually okay with that. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of thinking that's happening already. I don't think this is something. Is um, I, I I've never looked for a hearing aid, so I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I know some of them. You need some special tweaking and stuff like that that aren't just a one size fits all. Like with Adam Curry, there's a different hearing range that he's missing. So, I mean, a lot of times it, you're better off at least going to a doctor to uh, determine what would be the best product for you to help you. 
increase your hearing. But yeah, sure. this isn't but something. I mean, it's, it's like it's like reading glasses. You can go right. out, which I do have some experience with, where you can go out and get a prescription with exactly the right shaped lenses for you, or you can go to the local drugstore and for two ninety nine pick up a, a reading glasses off the shelf, and they won't work as well, but they, they're cheaper. At least it gives you something to uh, to use. But this is going to be interesting to see exactly what's in this. I'm sure we'll get more information after this is actually signed this afternoon by Uncle Joe. And uh, it, it's interesting because the whole big tech thing, I mean, the huge story over the last few days is that Donald Trump, because Florida, we talked about this when they changed their law or added a law that said, yeah, if you live in the state of Florida and you think the social media companies are censoring you, they're messing with your ability to have free speech on the Internet, you can sue them. So Donald Trump has started a class action lawsuit, which is going against Twitter, Facebook, and uh, there's uh, Google, I mean, YouTube. And the CEOs of each company also. So that's going to be fun to watch. It's I'm, it's going to take years for this to go through the legal system. And, uh, you know, I don't know if anything will come of this at all, but it is definitely going to bring a lot of things that we've talked about here to the forefront. This is going to, I think, force the courts to look at this. And if I had to bet, this is one that's probably going to end up in the Supreme Court at some point. I I think so, too. My my gut feeling is uh, I'm not certain that law is constitutional. It's possible. But I, I It is absolutely a question that I think needs to be answered because it is a question that the the mega corporations never want to see in a court of law. So it. And they're trying to tie it together in some odd ways, and I don't buy all of them. One of them was the emails that went on between Dr. Anthony Fauci and Mark Zuckerberg about how Facebook should deal with things. And, you know, they were going back and forth. There's part of this is going to be trying to make that connection that because of things like this, Facebook is not acting anymore. As a private company, they are acting in concert with the government. And once you're acting in concert with the government, then are you still to be treated as a private company where you could say, I can let anybody into my sandbox and I can kick anybody out of my sandbox? Or are you now more of a public utility, which is something we've heard thrown around by guys like Ted Cruz? They want to make all these tech companies be treated like they're a utility. And that is exactly one of the questions that I want to actually, I want to see answered. I, I want, I, I, the, there have the idea of public private partnerships, which is a, a, a very, uh, if you're a big government a proponent is, is a fantastic way to end run around all of those pesky restrictions on what a government can do, like the constitution. Right. Um, and it, it for for anybody in the swamp, anybody who is a big government enthusiast, the idea of, well, we're not allowed to do this. But if we contract uh, uh, my brother in law over here who runs a, a private company, um, then we can do it. 
and I would absolutely love to see a ruling. I, I, I think I know which way I want the ruling to go. And I think that's the way it would go if it ever got in front of, say, the Supreme Court w- would be they would say, well, no, as soon as you're, you know, the, the ruling I'd like to see is, is the moment that a company takes a government contract, they are restricted by the same restrictions that the gov if the government were doing the same thing that's the ruling i'd like to see i don't have a lot of confidence that it would happen but either way these are questions that need to be seen in in court because right now the system we have is that uh you know government bureaucrat wants to do something unconstitutional so they just go hey zuck can you come over here and do this unconstitutional thing i'm not supposed to do because you won't get in trouble right or can you squash any news stories that are inconvenient to my side while you know somebody's kid has a laptop and a lot of evidence example and uh uh, that might uh negatively impact the election yeah this this story about my entire family being hopelessly corrupt could really damage my chances of stealing this election could you maybe squash that thanks and they did and there is no question that that happened and that becomes the question then if the companies that run all of these services that a majority of the people in the country use, if they are connected enough to the government in one way, shape or form, or even to one of the parties, then how do you deal with that? Because this is not the case of, well, you know, you could just go use another service and you could pick this one. If you're on the left, you could pick this one. If you're on the right, as nice of a world as that might be, that's not the way the yeah, world works. The, the, to the people who say, uh, 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 you know, attacking a straw man here, the, the most common argument is, of course, well, they're a private company. They can do what they want. If you don't like it, then start your own. To which, of course, the response, the correct response is parlor. Right. Yeah. They, they did start their own. And then they got absolutely destroyed by a woke monopolist. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't start your own. You can't start your own because Amazon and Google control everything and they won't let you. Yeah. They will do whatever they can to squash you. And when you're a small startup, it's one thing. It's hard to make it as a startup already. If you're a startup that is pissing off a major company, it's like a million times harder because they have the resources to make your life hell. And and pissing off a major company these days might be uh, as as simple as uh, suggesting that anything that Donald Trump did was anything less than Hitler or or not putting the words Black Lives Matter in a large enough font on the front of your website. Right. Well, you have it's, to do that. It's it's absolutely disgusting. The the like the ways that you can offend the woke are are myriad. And normally I would say. Let's just ignore these idiots, but you can't when it's Jeff freaking Bezos and he controls the entire Internet. Yeah, there's very few when you think about it. You've got Google, you have Amazon, you have Facebook. You take just those three companies and the amount of people that they maybe control is a bad word, but the amount of people that use their services and rely on their services that you can manipulate. Yeah. A lot or, or to or to exit the the internet hosting and into like you know well, you, like you and I are we don't use Amazon services we go and use our own 
But uh, if we can drop into another example of something that's a little bit harder, uh, you know, what happens when, say, Cloudflare decides that I, I haven't seen evidence that they're doing this yet, but it's only a matter of time, I think that, you know, what if Cloudflare decides that, oh, you, you know, you support Trump and therefore you don't get to be on the Internet anymore. Is there is there a recourse to not being able to route anything ever anywhere? Um, what, what happens when the backbones, the, the big ISPs start filtering content based on politics? Well, no, no, uh, see, what they'll what, do is they'll filter it based upon hate speech. What, what, what happens, for example, when, uh, you are not capable of taking any credit card money because one of the biggest credit card handlers in the world, uh, which controls more than half of the market in online payments, decides that uh they don't like the business model you're in because you sell guns or weed and therefore suddenly you're restricted to being able to take cash in envelopes in the mail um oh wait that happens all the time that's we, mastercard yeah we talked about that with dick masterson and yeah, yeah. Uh, dick mastercard oh wait what they know he, he now he would like to own mastercard i i would like him to own mastercard he'd run it a lot better which uh deciding who you want to do business with i mean again this is the same excuse people are going to use which is well mastercard's a private company if they don't want to do business with somebody they shouldn't be forced to they're they're not they 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 are they are a private company only when you stand them up next to say the nsa or or the irs and then they're like well uh the only difference seems to be that the checks have u.s government on the top or not no, no, they they are in a position where they are critical infrastructure. There's no way you could say, though, they're a private company. They have no competition. Well, no, wait, the Visa. Oh, wait, they, they have uh, no competition. It's a <laughs> I mean, it, the, the word cartel. American Express. How about them? Yeah. No, they're not, no, trust me, not competition. <laughs> Actually, Visa is the only thing you could even put in that category. And uh, and they they move as one. They're a cartel. Kind of like the the credit reporting agencies. There's three of them. There's always been three of them. There always will be three of them. They don't let anyone else in, and they can do whatever the hell they want. Well, that's why all these credit card companies are a little bit concerned with the crypto stuff, because that is something that could upend their business completely if, if it they ever don't gets capture it first. Right, and and they most likely will. I they I think they already have. Do, do we, you know, at least with the, the corrupt Wall Street financial institutions, there's transparency involved, you know, transparency rules. And and we generally have a pretty good idea of who is at least the public face of the people running the system from behind. Who knows who these miners are? You don't. You do not. Except we knew a lot of them were in China. And it was last week, I believe. That because so many rigs had shut down in China, that they did the mathematical change, which the less yes, amount of they, rigs, they, the difficulty went down. Right. The less amount of rigs that are doing things, then the people that run Bitcoin go, oh, wait, we just lost how many? How many machines? Oh, geez. We need to make this well, easier. And it's it's not the people who run Bitcoin. There's not a I don't think there's a shady cartel is like crank up the difficulty now. I, I, <laughs> that that would be central control, which is was one of the things that was to be avoided in Bitcoin. Well, it's built um, into the system. The, yeah. The, the algorithm 
actually has throttles that say, uh, when this happens, change the difficulty. And, and that got triggered. And the difficulty went down by like 23%. I believe it was a, it was a pretty big number. Yeah. Which, you know, I thought that was a pretty big change. I don't know where well, all those, uh, somebody that's a point- big win for the environment. <laughs> no, it's not because there was uh, people that pointed out how many cards that, uh, they use for the crypto mining were currently on sale on the secondary market because obviously all that was of a these, big win for gaming too. Maybe. <laughs> Although it's like, would you want one of those cards that have been running at full speed for the last, you know, three months, uh, in a maybe not very well ventilated area, but, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to follow I, that I, kind if, of stuff. I, I probably wouldn't mind it because they're, they're going to be better video cards than mine. The trick is to buy them by the dozen. Right. Because you're just going to be swapping them in and out. Yeah. They're going to blow up pretty quick. But it's interesting is is that kind of falls through. Uh, before we get too far off any of the uh, social media stuff, I thought this was interesting because we have really warned people about TikTok since we started doing the show because there are so many bad connections with TikTok. We said it right off the bat, which is your data is going back to servers in China. What are they doing with that data? I don't know. You don't know. Maybe nothing. But I mean, at the very least, storing it, which means that that your your risk is not just what they're doing with it now, but what they're going to do with it five years from now. Right. Well, as I said, I mean, I think it's interesting to have that kind of data, especially when GPS is connected to it, to where you could be like, oh, these two married people are always at this motel at this time of day. We're not with their spouses. Don't don't get me wrong. As somebody who built a career in number crunching, it is always interesting to have large data sets that you can pull useful bits of information or, or just, you know, the kind of bits of information that you can pull out at a dinner party or on a podcast, be like, did you know that? And it's interesting, but at what cost? Well, that's the question. And the voice of reason in uh, this story is Hollywood superstar Ashton Kutchner or Kutcher, however you say it. He, uh, I didn't know he was still a thing. He, he, he's still alive. I mean, he's still he's still doing whatever he does. He was big back in the day of uh, Twitter. Starting yeah, he was up. big back in the day. I just didn't know that it was still the day. But he was on a podcast. I mean, go figure. Maybe we, maybe we can get him. He was on a podcaster or on a YouTube channel by a guy named uh, an investor named Joe Lonsdale, the show uh, American Optimist. And he was warning that. Through TikTok, China could actually create a propaganda campaign to brainwash your kids into thinking like what they're doing in, uh, you know, with the Uyghurs. And it's good to know that China has that backup in case Disney ever stops doing that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Well, Disney is pretty much in the same pocket. Uh, But Kushner said, if I'm China and I want to create a problem in that area of the world, specifically a naval problem in that area of the world in the South China Sea, I would probably want to utilize TikTok in order to influence the minds of Americans in an anti-U.S. propaganda, anti-Taiwanese propaganda effort in order to make any kind of war from the United States extraordinarily unpopular. Uh, That's trying trying to influence you. You. (sighs) 
I just feel like TikTok is so superfluous in this story. It's like, look at all these things TikTok can do. It can poison the minds of children. It can turn people against America. We don't need TikTok for that. We have the teachers unions. We have Disney. We have the mainstream public American media. Why do we need Chinese companies to do this? They're just doing it extra, I guess. I like. I guess Ashton Kutcher doesn't realize that he has spent the last 25 years of his life as part of of an organization that does exactly that. It's neat that he's standing out here and pointing fingers at some social media app, but look at Hollywood, you moron. I think he has, but he also knows where his money is coming from. To be fair, I don't think any of the stuff he's ever done has been all that woke, you know, including uh, the two and a half men, the couple years he was in. uh, uh, Well, I do. I do kind of put, I'm, I'm a little harsh on it, but I'm harsh on everyone. Um, I put him in the same category as like Rob Schneider, where uh, I really like his politics and I absolutely hate his work. <laughs> Come on, Rob's funny. I mean, you have uh, to like the slapstick kind of comedy. But, I, I uh, don't like slapstick and I don't like cringe comedy. And that's everything that's come out in the last 15 years. Well, and then now there really is no comedy. So, well, there's, there's, yeah, that's true. There's that. Which is an improvement. Right. I mean, Bill Cosby wants to go back out on tour. And I'm, I'm just really curious what that would look like. I mean, <laughs> A massive comeback tour. There would be there would be lots of lights and and you know people. I, a lot of goofy jokes I, or what? I don't know, know. I don't know. Maybe prison uh, jokes. It, I guess. I mean, there's. I guess there's some new material for him. But you know, he never swears. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I I could totally. This is America. I could see a Bill Cosby comeback tour. It would happen. Yeah. It probably. You know what? Maybe we could have the a Louis C.K. Gonna, and Cosby dual bill. The only thing that's going to slow him down is the fact that he's in his eighties. Yeah. And now he's been to prison, though, so he's got that cred. Oh, yeah. He's a little wide, more wide open in the back. Yeah, I'm not touching that. I, I should hope not. <laughs> so, so printers, you say? Printer problems? Yes. Uh, well, it, I mean, not so much a problem with the printer as the problem with uh, the printer drivers and, and the print spooler service which is on by default in every Windows computer. And it turns out that in every version of Windows that still has any kind of support, uh, there is a vulnerability in the print spooler that. Uh, um, so I went to the uh, the MSRC. They gave it the uh, the memorable name of CVE 2021-34527. Ooh, love but, that one. Um, the researchers who found it were uh, at a lab called Sangfor. Um, they decided to call it print nightmare, which is, uh, rolls off the tongue better. Yeah, snappier. Um, according to the RCE, uh, quote, an attacker could then install programs, view, change, or delete data or create new accounts with full user rights. Um, this is, this is a brutal one. If, if you're vulnerable, if your print spooler is, is running, uh, then, um, this is a, an RCE vulnerability that allows anyone who, uh, well, let, let me back up. The system that it's in is if if you've ever had somebody where somewhere that you're like print to somebody else's printer attached to someone else's computer. That's this system. This is the system that allows remote printing. It's if you have a printer and you share it to your network and that network is visible to the Internet, you might already be compromised. Woo. Um so it, it system privileges because the print spooler is a system level service. It's not quite kernel mode, uh, but um, th- this is system privileges are higher than administrator. So um, they can do pretty much anything they want. Um, 
the important bits, uh, Microsoft, I, I pulled this story actually for Friday when there was no, uh, wor- there was a workaround, but no patch. There is now a patch which has been released out of band, out of band, uh, for server 2016 and for Windows 10 1607 plus, which means that, uh, despite it not being reboot Tuesday, you will, you can run Windows update and you will see a patch for this coming up. If you're on those systems, if you're on uh, Windows 7, Windows 8, uh, older versions of server, then you get to wait around for the next reboot Tuesday. Meanwhile, um, the workaround is to stop the, the, the best workaround is to stop and disable the print spooler service. Uh, uh, spooler, S P O O L E R. I don't, I don't remember why spooler is a word, but, um, if you don't want to do that, you can, uh, that disables all printing no matter what. If you don't want to do that, you can at least go into group policy and disable inbound remote printing, which would prevent anybody on the network from printing to your computer, but you can still do local printing. Um, there's also some reg keys that you can set, uh, HKLM software policies, Microsoft Windows NT printers point and print. Um, there's, there's a key in there. It says, if this is set to one, you are vulnerable says uh the key is called no warning no elevation on install that that means that it it, it, if that key is set it means yeah go ahead and install drivers without telling the user i'm sorry that there's no there's no scenario where that's not a problem but okay um anyways uh the interesting bit about this other than it's extremely scary and and you really need to take your security updates is uh the reason why this became really urgent, um, the researchers at Sangfor were planning on bringing this and, a, and a, what they say other vulnerabilities in the print spooler to Microsoft at the Black Hat conference, which happens at the end of this month. Um, so they were keeping quiet. They were doing the responsible disclosure thing. Um, Microsoft, uh, in, in announcing their routine releases for this month, Microsoft released a fix for an unrelated bug in the print spooler and the Sangfor researchers thought, Oh, Microsoft found this vulnerability and patched it. So I guess in order to make sure that we get credit for at least having done some work, they published the proof of concept on GitHub. <laughs> then <laughs> and it they wasn't found, fixed. They found out it wasn't fixed. <laughs> oh, damn. So, so that proof of concept was up for, uh, what did they say? About 20 hours before it was pulled down. But in 20 hours, um, people who, people who say follow the GitHub accounts of security researchers for the purpose of, say, trying to use the proof of concepts to implement attacks. Uh, Microsoft has confirmed that, uh, this is already being exploited in the wild right now. So, um, if you have remote printing turned on in your system, you need to go get that patch as soon as you possibly can. Uh, if you're on Win 10 or, or any, any Microsoft OS since 2016, you, you can get that as an out of band update right now. Uh, if you have an older system like mine, um, you don't get it until next reboot Tuesday. Not a big deal for me. I don't have a printer attached, but, uh, it's something to be careful of. Well, that was one of my questions. How many people still use a printer? I've got one that sits on the desk here. And besides printing off some tax documents, 
I don't think I've so, used it in a year. The the answer to your question is is you and JCD, and that's about it. <laughs> that's all. Uh, but the problem is not people who have a printer attached. The problem is that print spooler, even with no printer attached, print spooler is an enabled by default service in Windows, which means that if you are running Windows, then by default, out of the box, print spooler is running. And um I don't believe that remote printing is enabled by default, but it's one of those dialog boxes that pops up if, you know, if a printer shows up on your system or it's, it finds one on the network. It's like, do you want to enable being able to connect to remote printers? And you just click away. Yes, because it's a dialog with a yes or button on it. And of course people don't read it. They just click away. And suddenly you may never have printed anything in your life, but your print spooler service is open and inviting in. People, you know, exploits. Well, it's better to be welcoming. Yes, yes, it is. This is this is how we ended up getting SMB back in the day, uh, <laughs> becoming a giant vector for horrible things. Yeah. Well, there are so many services in these machines that uh, there's bound to be a lot of these things. I mean, it's amazing when they find the ones where it's like nobody's discovered this for ten years, and then somebody does. Yeah, it's it's frightening when. You know, when, when a new vulnerability comes out, you're like, okay, that's somebody messed up. But when they look back and realize, Hey, this has been a problem for 40 years. Like, right. like before windows existed, somehow windows had this vulnerability. Yeah. The script I, existed somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I and I, yes. And, and it, it happens and it, it, it operating systems are uh, some of the most complicated things that have ever been created by humans and when you have that much complexity there are going to be vulnerabilities which is why uh despite the next topic that i'm going to bring and the anti-update rant that i'll probably inevitably bring with it (laughs) i will encourage people if a security update comes across you do not pass go you do not collect 200 dollars. you just go get that update yes and that was really my question which i don't have an easy answer for but the average person, if they want to run a test on their machine, know if there's vulnerabilities. I mean, there's really nothing you can do besides grab the latest version of uh, all the Windows updates. If you're running Windows, the latest updates of whatever you know Linux or uh, Mac system you might be using. There's no easy way. I mean, at least nothing I know of. Is there any website or anything you can go to and be like, give them your IP address and they pound you and see if you have vulnerabilities? I mean, there was something well, like that's that back a different in the kind day. of service. True. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, that's, I, uh, I don't know. I, the, the, uh, I, obviously it'll be in the show notes, the link to the MSRC, the, the, the scintillatingly named CVE 2021 Um, the link to that will be there. And Microsoft does have, uh, a recommendation of, you know, here are some PowerShell commands you can run to check this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I am being live fact checked, of course, which uh, we, we've come to expect here on this show. Digiguru says that stopping the spooler service does not halt printing to a local or local printing to a locally connected printer. Uh, and, and that's true. What this print spooler service is, is an app wants to print something and it sends all the data at once. And then you want your app to be responsive while the printer is going, but the printer needs to be slowly sent out data. Um, be without the print spooler service, the app pretty much has to halt until it's done printing. And with the print spooler service, um, 
it, it, it acts as a proxy. You hand the, the print job off to the spooler and the spooler will slowly parcel it out to the print driver. And, um, yeah, that, that's true. It's, uh, also, it's still, well, uh, it, it works in a it, way it's pedantic. that Ryan, someday your prints will come. It's sometimes. And by the way, the print spooler is also the fantastic service that is responsible when you're like, I, I sent this print job. Why is it not printing? Okay. I'll just try it again. Oh, well, it's still not printing. Oh, I'll try it again. And then 10 minutes later, you get 25 copies of the same document. <laughs> yes. That's the print spooler service. You're welcome. That's happened more times than it's like, well, unplug the damn printer. Stop yeah, it. Yeah. Wasting- like, okay. Well, maybe if I reboot the printer, it'll do it. What you don't realize is that every single time you click, yeah, go uh-huh. and nothing happens. You're queuing another job. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sitting there waiting for the first time it's able to start printing. And then it's like, oh, okay. It's ready now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It happens and, and, way too and, many times. And because you've handed the job off to a separate service, you can kill your app word or, or whatever you're printing from. It doesn't matter. That stuff's still coming out. Like you just know, okay. And, and especially when you realize what you've done, you're like, oh crap. It's coming. I'd better make sure that there's plenty of paper in this thing. Yeah. Oh, my. I just I just printed you kill the your, Bible. You kill your app. You kill the printer. You half the time you could reboot the system and you're like, nope, it's still going to print all those. Yeah. It's somehow still in the printer memory. As long as it's something you don't want to print, it stays. Yes. Yes. If it's something if it's, you really want, it disappears magically. Then that'll, yeah, that'll vanish. It goes away into the yeah. ether. Yeah, it's the way it works. Bill Gates is at the fault, I believe. Yeah, he did always. Uh, what story? You said, okay, you said you had something you were going to go into that was going to cause you to rant, which I, I think. Uh, this one this one got mentioned on No Agenda yesterday. It, it turned into really big news. It was a supply chain ransomware attack that uh, affected Kaseya VSA software. Um, are you familiar with this one? I don't know this one. Spe- I mean, here's the problem with the ransomware. It seemed like before COVID hit, there was like a ransomware story in the news like once every few weeks. Now it seems like there's 30 a day. Yes. And uh, there are a couple explanations. One one of the possible explanations, if you're very conspiracy minded, is uh, that, uh, you know, when when Biden came out and, and, and Fauci or whoever came out and said, well, the next pandemic is going to be a cyber pandemic. Well, hey, look, it's happening. And if you're conspiracy minded, maybe it's because they're causing it for the purpose of further tearing down our society. Ooh, is this why they had to take, this might be why they had to take uh, take out McAfee. Maybe. Oh, yeah, because he might have written a new antivirus. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's fascinating to entertain these ridiculous <laughs> notions, but. I don't think that's what happened. Um, I, I, I would not be surprised if, uh, if, if somebody in the, the shadowy parts of, of the, uh, the, the people who want to tear down society are going out and creating, you know, trying to create cyber false flags, whatever that looks like. But I think that the more obvious and, and simpler explanation, Occam's razor is, that uh ransomware attacks seem to be working and that means that the, the, the you're, you're incentivizing creating more of them and now we're getting more of them because people have paid them because right. people don't have people don't make good backups people pay ransoms in order to decrypt their drive and that makes it lucrative and 
it means that with with a few scripts and and maybe a service that and and a vulnerability you can make a lot of money well and that's the thing if you have backups of your system you should never have to pay the ransomware now if somebody actually grabbed your data and is going to sell it that's a different story and you can't guarantee even if you pay the ransom that they're not going to uh, put your data out there so there's that but i'm curious why the rash of this why this is all of a sudden such such big news hey, like you said they're talking about a cyber pandemic and nothing has changed in the tech world really over the last five or ten years i mean there's nothing that there's new systems or whatever that would be susceptible to more to this kind of a thing like you said maybe it's just being done because it's being successful more often it's being successful more often and it's being highly highly publicized every time it's successful now is it being publicized for nefarious reasons meaning was this going on five years ago and you just never heard about it and now they're talking about it nonstop? And why would the government be talking about a cyber pandemic? Why would they be talking about all this ransomware? Oh, what? Those are those are very different questions. Uh, The the first one you had is, was it going on five years ago? Yes. But uh, I was hearing about it five years ago because I followed tech news back then, too. It was showing up if if it hit big news, the biggest news it would ever come up with or would ever hit was uh, Tom Merritt's show, Daily Tech News. Um, it, It didn't. It, you did not have uh, you did not have ransomware attacks in uh, on ABC or, or CBS. You, you did not have a, a ransomware. You didn't have uh, Tucker Carlson talking about ransomware. Uh, it, you had Leo Laporte talking about ransomware. You had uh, 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 Steve Gibson talking about ransomware. So if you followed it, it was there, but it didn't have the publicity. And I think that the incredibly increased amount of publicity has introduced the concept to a lot more people. Combine that with, of course, there's been development of new tools. There's been development of, uh, you know, uh, turnkey solutions. When, you know, back in the day, uh, it, it, if you wanted to, way back in the day, if you wanted to flood, uh, a website with say, like, you know, if I, if I may go back, uh, TCP sin packets. Uh, if you wanted to sin flood somebody, you had to crack open the TCP stack in your computer and you had to code directly to the socket in order to send, uh, you know, raw TCP without having to go through a, a managed library. And that took a lot of skill. And then after a while, uh, the somebody just came out with, well, here's a library that allows you to create a TCP sin flood. Right. Created and, the script kitties. And yes, that was the rise of the script kitties. And I think. That what we're seeing with ransomware today is these, the, you know, ransomware is a complicated thing. You've got to get a vulnerability. You've got to go in. You've got to find a way to encrypt the partition. You've got to create a system that, that can unencrypt it. You, you know, and I mean, it's, it's a complex piece of software. And when you had to code all that yourself, only a few people could do it. And now I think we're seeing the ransomware script kitties. It may be, but I don't think the script kitty, I mean, maybe I'm just being naive, but I would be hoping that the script kitties would not have the knowledge or the firepower to break into all the government installations and stuff that they well, have been. They, uh, they don't have to though. Remember we, uh, we talked about, and I don't remember the name, but a few weeks ago we talked about a, a, a service online 
that uh, hit the news, even though they didn't want to, that they they weren't they weren't performing ransomware attacks. They were performing ransomware as a service. Right, they were right. they they had you know they were like okay you you just pick your exploit and pick your payload and uh type up the message you want and we'll go ahead you know then click this button here and give us two bitcoins and we'll go ahead and execute the ransomware ser- attack for you. Yeah, and, I guess th- that kind of service is starting to exist, and it means that anybody with uh anybody with a bone to pick, anybody with an axe to grind used to have to have some technical knowledge and now they just have to know where on the dark web to send their their point four bitcoin and <laughs> look here's your your ransomware as a service i mean that's certainly possible but i don't know if that is enough of a reason to have the rise in coverage that we're seeing in the mainstream media especially who normally avoided this kind of tech stuff because they knew they would sound like morons talking about it maybe uh, now they don't care but even the White well, House, I, Biden, I, I think they've, they've gone so far sounding like morons. I don't think they can recognize it anymore. That may be true. But I am looking at this in a more uh, conspiracy route, I suppose. OK, that I think there's a, a possibility of two things on why this is such big news lately. And of course, now the new term cyber pandemic. I mean, we just saw how bad a pandemic was. But one, it could be. A power grab, which is, well, you know, the whole uh, freedom of speech thing going on. Well, the government needs to. The only way to keep you safe from a cyber pandemic, just like it is to go and get the jab. Well, the only way that we can protect people as the government would be to take control of Comcast and AT&T. And we need to be we need to work with them. You know, and I have absolutely no doubt there are Democrats who want to do that. Yes. At the core level to be able to do that. And get a probably Republicans who want to do that too. Probably to get their tentacles into those devices if they don't already. But this would be a great reason. Like, you know, Comcast can't handle this alone. We're going to go in as the government and help them out. Or maybe I'm totally wrong on that part, but we know the one thing that comes with every, every story about ransomware, and that is payment in crypto. And that I believe is still one of the big reasons, which is, you know, we got to get rid of this. We got to get rid of this uh, crypto stuff, or we 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 need to make just one crypto people can use, and the government will control it that way. The bad people can't use it for ransomware because we could take that money back if it's crypto through our system that we control. And well, it, uh, cert- it certainly makes a great excuse for trying to crack down on crypto and, and and enforce more government control over it. Yes. But I think, again, there's a simpler explanation for why ransomware always seems to want payment in crypto. And it is it is exactly you know, I, I mentioned this only uh, about 40 minutes ago that there are a lot fewer regulations around the transfer of crypto. All you need is a wallet and you can send it here and then somebody else will pick up from the other end of the wallet. And there, there you go. Um, as opposed to like, can, can you imagine if somebody said, well, I, I need you to uh, send me a credit card or, or I need you to send a, a, a suitcase full of dollar bills to this address. It, well, yeah. Well, it, that is one way though, that 
you can't immediately grab the money back, depending on where that address was, I suppose. Well, yes, but you know where that address is? It's easy to find the address where the drop point is. It's the one that's completely surrounded by armed FBI agents. (laughs) Unless it's in Nigeria or uh, Moscow. (laughs) No, then they're armed CIA agents. Ah, yes, that's true. That's true. That, That is the one easy way of moving funds is through crypto. And that is a great excuse for all the governments of the world to use to crack down on crypto, because just like everything, you know, the gun stuff for the children, you know, except all the children that are dying on a daily basis, it seems in Chicago with all the gang crime. No, that's fine. We're not for the children. But in this case, well, the crypto, we got to think of all those poor children. We got to think of all the people that are going to be scammed. So the only way to take this ransomware stuff and wipe it out is to wipe out crypto, because without crypto, there is no ransomware because they can't get paid. It's a stretch. No, I mean, I like I it. It, it, it. It's it's an exciting theory. I think it's a stretch. I think it may be a little bit of a stretch, but I think it's exactly the way they're thinking. Uh, I, I would not be surprised in the least if there is somebody out there who is that naive and thinking like that. There is I, way too much way too much in the news about this when the the real answer is one have a real dude named ben or dudette named bernadette working for your company when it comes to your cybersecurity, and two back everything up so that way if you get nailed then you have the backup but you know we do need to i just heard i just heard something on your end there is there a new coffee mug involved in today's show yeah there is a new coffee mug and i hate it (laughs) it's throwing me off balance well, yeah, I mean, that's it's the whole show. This is kind of like a concert pianist performing this whole ballet that Did we you just do say here. a concert pianist. Yes, a concert pianist. That is the way we perform here. Now, if you're lifting a different mug, it's it's I could tell it's totally throwing you off. I mean, you need to work this. It's it's messing with my mojo. At some point, I'm going to have I'm I'm I, I'm I I am in the process of auditioning new mugs to replace my <laughs> other one. And uh, the one I've got today is is much taller and narrower and has a picture of a cat on it that uh, I'm just not sure it's working for me. No, I can see that. I can see that. Um, if, if you missed the last show, it was a very <laughs> exciting moment when the handle. It, on the it was mug. one of the few times it was one of the few times when uh, a sound in the room didn't just come through in your headphones. It was actually audible on the MP3. Yes. Yes, it was loud enough. Most of the time, the, these sounds would be completely unknown by anyone on the stream or listening to the podcast if you didn't point them out. But that one was loud enough. And I would see this is where I wish I would have had video because I'm assuming the look on your face was priceless when you realized that what you were holding was now simply just the handle just, of a just mug. the handle. <laughs> like, where's my mug, man? Where's my well, my my. I mean, my first clue was the, the, the mug half full of coffee was a little heavy. It got me in the leg, but, uh, and then I'm like, now then my legs are wet. What's going on? Uh, okay. I, I, you completely tried to derail, um, your, uh, the story, but I was going to give actual details about this particular ransomware attack. Do you want to hear them or, or can we just move on? Yes. Let's get the details of the (laughs) ransomware attack. Okay. Well, you just gave the advice that companies need to have a competent dude named Ben. And I agree because one of the things that got a lot of people in trouble was not following that advice. Um, uh, Kaseya VSA is a, uh, quote, remote monitoring and management tool, RMM. Um, It is mostly employed by uh, managed service provider companies. 
So the business model here is uh, that uh, a, a supermarket or or a grocer or uh, uh, a small business or someone whose primary business is not tech doesn't want to hire an IT guy. And admittedly, I, I understand why. But what you do is you contract with one of these managed service providers and they will do all your IT for you. And the way they do your IT, because the computers are usually on in, in your facility and they don't want to send someone out all the time. Uh, the way that they do IT is they use this software uh, VSA in order to remotely manage your updates and deploy things. And, and when you say I need, you know, such and such software, they can use the software to deploy. So effectively it's, uh, it's creating a, a system where uh, a company, you know, a microservices architecture to use the phrase Dvorak loves uh, to set up, uh, uh, um, how am I saying this? You're, you're putting together a service where all of your IT stuff is managed remotely. Right. Now, this is really handy because it means you don't have to have anybody who is computer knowledgeable on site at your local grocery store or something, which saves you money. Right. But the idea of that kind of management going over the internet should scare everybody from a security perspective. And it does. Um, so the software in use here is called uh, is called Kaseya VSA, and it is something that managed service providers will use. So there are a couple layers. Um, the attack here used a vulnerability in the VSA software to attack the MSPs, the customers of Kaseya. And those customers were then used to uh, push malware down to the clients of the Kaseya's customers. Am, am I making sense here? Yeah. Well, that's the, the whole supply chain thing because yes. it's a lot easier to hack one company who is then supporting all these other companies and they'll do the dirty work for you with their update system. So um pulling some stats from uh, the, the main place that I got my information was at uh, Kaseya has, uh, I mean, in, in the interest of transparency, they've got, they've got pretty good transparency. They've got, a place where they are uh, announcing everything going on with this. But what they uh, confirmed is uh, they said, quote, the total impact thus far is uh, fewer than 1500 downstream businesses. So that's great news. Only 1500 people got screwed. Businesses got screwed. Um, they said fewer than 60 Kaseya customers. I'm sorry. That's not that few. Uh, all of which were using the VSA on-premises product. Now, if there's a good news, uh, Kaseya also offers software as a service. So if you are an MSP and don't even want to host an instance of this software yourself, you just want to be the middleman where you manage somebody's IT, but somebody else runs your software, then Kaseya offers a software as a service product where they host the software, the MSP uses it, and then manages someone else. They're, they, I mean, they're, we're getting meta here. It's kind of a chain of management. Um, those were safe. Uh, the other quote I pulled is the attackers were able to exploit zero day vulnerabilities in the VSA product to bypass authentication and run arbitrary command execution. This allowed attackers to leverage the standard VSA product functionality to deploy ransomware to endpoints. So the people who got ransomed are the downstream businesses who are contracted with the MSP businesses who are using the software that was vulnerable. I'm just, I'm blown away by the, the, the level of, of redirection. This is, I don't know. It, 
but this, anyway. this is what's common now. It is. It's kind of the way IT is done anymore, and it frightens me. Uh, so the update from this morning, uh, by the way, the the last thing on the uh, on the blog post is that uh, apparently now, uh, you know, oh, by the way, uh, Kaseya has patched. They patched it as of yesterday. They released a compromise detection tool. Um, their software as a service are patched and running. They are working with their on-prem customers to patch those. Um, all of the businesses that got their stuff encrypted, um, you're not getting that data back unless you either pay or have backups. That's <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's so, no good. No bueno. And uh, if you were relying on your MSP in order to uh, manage all of your backups, then you'd better hope that they had them. <laughs> yeah. Backups are important when you're running um, a business. I mean, come on. So uh, and and as of yesterday, the, the latest thing is uh, that spammers are now sending out phishing emails claiming to be Kaseya and saying, uh, here is a patch you need to download immediately and stuff like that. Kaseya is warning. Do not click on links in unidentified mail. <laughs> if you are concerned, go to the official site. Well, right, because that is the easiest way to fool somebody into doing something is, hey, wait a minute, that's a company that I do business with, and it makes it way easier for somebody just to turn their brain off and click the link. I mean, I always thought it was funny because I used to get a bunch of these things more a few years ago, but hey, your Bank of America checking account has been blah, blah, blah. You need to click here now. And I'm like, well, I don't have a Bank of America checking account. I mean, I know a lot of people did, yeah. but if- and, and and if they send out 100,000 mails, then maybe 100 of them are to people who are gullible enough and use that service. Then, hey, success, right? Yeah, that's all it takes. I mean, the the latest one is going to I have to see if uh, I'm assuming they do. If Squarespace allows to put a captcha or some device on the form pages. I mean, as much as I hate captchas, the recaptchas, you do need something to keep bots from slamming you with uh, with forms that they're filling out. And the latest one is, oh, you used some of my copyrighted material on your website. You need to download this for all of the information. Oh. And what you're <laughs> downloading is a payload. And it has to be working with a lot of people. But I've seen the story on this. And I've seen this at uh, both the, my wife's store that I set up a WordPress site for them and my buddy's restaurant also have seen that coming through on Squarespace through their form. So they are hitting it hard. If you how, get something. how many how many years have we heard? Don't click random links that people send you. And the fact that it's still happening means obviously it's still working. Yeah, but at security people have been telling us for decades now, don't click random links that people send you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and that is it. But people are like, oh, well, this seems important. I mean, this is the so, same scam. It's just presenting it in a different way rather than you would think that the first thing in that email, if that was me and somebody was using, say, a piece of art that I created on their website without paying me for said art, you know, copyright law, I know you hate it. But if I were to then email, say it was, uh, you know, Hogstory did that. I'd be like, okay, let me find an email address. Okay, here, John at Hogstory.net. The first thing in the email would be, this graphic exactly here is mine. You're not, oh, here, yes. you're doing this in all a very vague letter with, 
but click yeah, this link even, for <laughs> in fact uh the the uh DMCA specifies that the takedown notice has to do exactly that if you receive uh anything that looks like a legal notice under the DMCA and they don't specifically point at exactly what they're alleging infringing then it's not valid even if it's even if it's real even if they really mean it it's not valid if they don't point to exactly what's infringing which is why for example youtube does not send people dmca takedown notices they just suspend your account because they don't want to tell you what you violated <laughs> yes yeah um i had some some technical details about what uh what payload was being sent to all of these vsa customers um, it, it, it does the usual, it disables windows defender, it reconfigures it to turn off scanning and monitoring. It replaces MSN PENG, which is uh windows defenders executable. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's pretty standard stuff. It installs fake certs on the machine so that they can go back in later if you want. Um, and, uh, in order to store all of the settings for the payload that is being pushed out to all these vendors, um, it creates a registry key on your system. HKLM software. Wow. 6432 node slash black lives matter. And that's, <laughs> that's where it stores the settings for the hack. Well, at least that's easy to find in your registry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the things I did when I was researching this, I was like, I'm just going to do a quick registry search. See, and by the way, the phrase black lives matter did not appear in my registry. Whew. You're safe. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But, but you know, if, uh, if it did, people would be afraid to delete it because then you would be you'd be oh, racist. You're right. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's it's <laughs> you you want to tune into people's anti-racist. They're like, obviously, this is really important, so I have to keep it here. Yes, because it's racist, just like the uh, the the head. Although there's, a, I'm sure it's a very small chapter in Utah. The woman that's the head of the Black Lives Matter Utah chapter, and uh, Bill O'Reilly was talking about this. This is the only reason I know about this. And I guess Utah is only like one percent black or something like that but this woman came out and said that anybody that flies the american flag not the confederate flag anybody that flies the american flag and a lot of people were just on the fourth of july if somebody's flying that flag they are obviously racist and she avoids them you know and 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 having people if i had somebody like that in my neighborhood i might even you know it might rekindle my patriotism maybe It, it might make me want to fly the flag is, is screw fragile people like that yes freedom baby I mean, this is what freedom we talked about when they went after the confederate flag and there's some things that uh you know rightfully you could say that there were a lot of bad things that happened under the confederacy but at the time we talked about stuff like you think anybody growing up watching the dukes of hazard seeing the general lee was thinking wow we're a bunch of racists no it's a no it, i was thinking hey fast car look they made it fly yeah and okay. you know what what the most dangerous thing that people watching the Dukes of Hazard were thinking was, I bet I could make that jump too. Yeah. And they didn't realize the amount of hydraulics that were involved in they were jumping the creek. Or- yeah, I was just uh, drooling over uh, Daisy Duke. But the. Well, there was that too. Yeah. I-, I was a little younger than you at the time. <laughs> the uh, I We knew, at least I did, when they were going after the Confederate flag that it was only going to be a small step before they were going after the American flag. And I think we're starting to see that. So uh, I, I, I think so, too. And I think this person is a total idiot. And uh, I, I can't get too upset about this story because you've got a retard doing retard things. And that's really <laughs> not a, that that's that's kind of the, the story of the Internet. Now, as soon as as Kamala Harris comes out and says flying the flag is racist, then and, and that might be coming down the road. 
but then you know it'll be more outrage worthy but well have you seen all i mean talk about news stories on the ransomware being everywhere lately there are tons of stories about the staffers working for kamala harris in upheaval there's nothing but backstabbing going on they're fighting with the biden people there's a, a whole push now to get Buddha judge to the top of the list. So if Biden actually makes it the full four years, that it wouldn't be Kamala out there running as president. There's some interesting stuff going on. And the Democrats are the infighting has right. officially begun. Good. Yeah, and the left eating itself. I approve. Yes, <laughs> I do. Yeah, that's the best thing that we can hope for at this point. Uh, and, and by the way, if, if this was the, the, the Trump or the Bush administration and they started infighting and therefore couldn't accomplish anything, I'd say good also. Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the best possible outcome for government is that we end up with less government. But that doesn't seem likely. So the second best outcome is that they are so paralyzed with infighting and bickering and petty garbage that they can't accomplish anything and stop passing bad laws. Right, and if, if there was something that could possibly make the Democrat Party get so pissy with itself that it could that it stopped being able to pass all of these sweeping trillion dollar bills and and you know ruining the economy for 25 years to come then i'm all for it it would seem to be a good uh a good alternative do you ever think we're going to get enough people elected into office to actually start a real push for smaller government or are we just so far down that rabbit hole that it's never going to happen um I, I want to be optimistic, uh, but there's a, the, the, the idea of, of, of fixing the government by, you know, the, the problem is there's too much government and the idea of, of somehow fixing that by putting more people into government is, uh, the, the saying that comes to mind is, is the, um, you know, the, the fighting for peace is like screwing for virginity, but it's kind of the concept that, the Tea Party had when it originally came out, which was we want to elect a bunch of people who don't want to do this, the government thing. For and their there's whole the life. problem right there. They don't want to do it. Right. Well, they do. Right. We have. How do, you, how do you convince them? The people that you want in office are the ones that don't want to do it. What you need to do is convince a bunch to take this on for one or two terms and change stuff and then get the hell out of Dodge. What the problem with that is once you get the hell out of Dodge, the new people are going to screw it up again. Well, there's that, but there's also, I mean, it's just a tall order like tea party. Look how well that worked. Yeah. You know, the, the, the tea party was, uh, you know, they, they were, they were, uh, flocking around Rand Paul or, uh, not Rand, uh, Ron, Ron Paul, Paul, Ron Paul, the same way that the green party flocks around Bernie and, uh, somewhere along the line, it got big enough for the Republican Party to notice, and the Republican Warhawk establishment decided to co-opt it and flood, you know, using the mainstream media, who at the time were not 100% Democrat, uh, and and flood out all of the people who started with the smaller government message and instead turned it into a straight Republican message. And uh, then, you know, the, the few people who were left over and not completely supplanted, who were still trying to say, no, no, this isn't the message we want. Instead, Obama sent the IRS to their houses. I mean, it, it's it's a tall order trying to get through the swamp. Well, yeah, because if you remember, though, the mainstream treated the Tea Party 
much the way they're treating the January 6th folks. This is uh, this is exactly what they've been waiting for. The everybody that's in the Tea Party is a radical white supremacist, racist, they're gun toting, beer drinking, dumbass is uh, is kind of well, I'm not a dumbass. (laughs) Everything else you're just checking off. (laughs) You're checking off. Hey, but you, you know what? You have a mathematics degree. And I know Adam Curry was just looking for a podcast where a mathematician would have been able to explain yes. that ranked vote. Yes. Stuff. If, if only there were a podcast somewhere that somebody said that somebody with that, that a mathematician or somebody with a math background had tried to explain instant runoff voting. I, I don't know. Maybe it'll never happen. They could have clipped that. I mean, maybe we need to clip <laughs> that and send it in from the last show. I thought you did a decent job explaining what was going on, but I I think it confuses a lot of people, rightfully so, because it's like, well, how am I voting? I don't well, there's there's a huge difference between, you know, what what I was describing, the mathematics of it are in an ideal world. And and it, looking just at the mathematics of it, I think I honestly think that alternate methods of voting are righteous. Uh, one, uh, shortly after that episode came out, one of the uh, tro- uh, troll, not trolls, uh, one of the people on NAS pointed and I, I wish I could remember your name. I'm sorry. Uh, but they pointed out that uh, instant runoff is not even the only type of voting one of the met- one of the things that that also is a great alternative to plurality voting was uh something called approval voting where uh instead of uh you know basically you you put up the list of candidates and instead of a radio buttons you put up check boxes so you can say i'm okay with this person i hate this person and so on and you vote for as many or as few as you want and then tallying is really easy because whoever got the most check marks wins right um it's it's another alternative to plurality voting that will help you get past the the two party spoiler problem. And like I said, the the problem that I think that instant runoff in and these alternate systems are trying to address is the 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 spoiler effect in plurality voting guarantees you will never have more than two parties. And then you have the cartel effect, which guarantees you really don't have more than one party. And trying to break that up by introducing more parties is exactly the goal. And on No Agenda yesterday, both John and Adam were poo-pooing the entire system, saying, well, it looks like the system only exists to get some uh, other party in. And yes, that's pretty much exactly it. it, well, it to exists. elect mediocre candidates. Well, to yes, that too. But I'm sorry. If you look at the Republican, you look at the Democrat, where's your non-mediocre candidate? <laughs> yeah, they're all mediocre when I, it comes I, down to it I, I mean being from one of the main two parties does not make you not a mediocre candidate in fact i i would argue the opposite but um they seem to think that it was a problem that a third party candidate might have a chance and i think they're just looking at it wrong because that is entirely the point and the other thing they were poo-pooing which and rightly so and i pointed this out when we talked about it is that if you if the people running the election and the people counting the votes and the people disappearing with the data set into the back smoky back room with no transparency are corrupt, you're still going to get a corrupt result. I don't give a crap how you claim your voting is supposed to work. If if the system for counting the votes is is some people that you don't trust disappear into a room and come out and announce that their guy won. That's a suspect result, no matter what your system is. That's not a factor of of uh, of instant runoff. That's not a factor of uh, of it. It's a factor of you have corrupt people running your system. 
and no system of voting will ever work unless you can address that. So good luck. Well, and the format makes a difference too. Now, anybody uh, out there in New York, if you can answer this now, how would you even do this on a paper ballot? Just have different uh, things to fill in like one through five, as far as like a little circle to fill in in order. Uh, I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it in New York, but when I've seen it implemented, uh, if or actually it was a local race um there was just a rectangular box next to each one and you put the number one two three four five see that just seems like it would be a much bigger pain well on, on the level of a, a local county which is what this was there were only uh sixty thousand votes or so which means it was theoretically possible to go through all of them in a reasonable amount of time when you have 15 million people voting um, you, there, there's a lot of desire to have some kind of computerized system. And then you, right. I mean, you come up with something, right? Well, you're right. Because you're assuming that the data that's going into the system is what was actually voted for. But I think the only way this could work would be to have a computerized system for people voting. And I think you would have, although this yeah. adds its and, own and problem, Dominion can make the machines, obviously, obviously, but you would have to, I think, force people to make sure you rank all of the candidates, because otherwise you'd have the same problem, which is if somebody goes in and like, I just want to vote for Cuomo. I don't care about two, three, four, five. Screw them. Well, well then de- depending on your tabulation system, that's not actually as big a problem as you'd think. No, it doesn't matter. It just well, knocks them right uh, out. But now the I other mean, problem uh, would be if uh, you force the people to do rank every one of those, there's a really good chance they only know something about one or two candidates. So how do you rank the other ones? I think that you're overestimating the average American voter if you think that they know something about one or two candidates. <laughs> well, I know that. I know that, which is just like, but, okay, but then any voting system should be, uh, there should be a, uh, a, a, you know, what do they call those things? A, a voting a test uh, before you the, can. The, for, for ranked, for any kind of ranked voting system, there, there are multiple types of tabulation. In fact, I've, I've already mentioned in it just in this conversation right now. I've mentioned two of them, which are the two that I'm most familiar with, which is uh, ranked choice and instant runoff. Uh, both of them at the ballot location is you rank the people that you want. And and then the only difference is, is the map behind how they get tabulated. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, if if you only vote for one person, then it effectively means all of your other all of the other candidates get an implicit zero they're like i will never my, my vote will never go to these people which is fine that's that's the same as i want to vote against somebody right and the only problem that can come from it, it not not filling out ranking every candidate for every voter is that it opens up the possibility that you could reach a result where You've run through the entire ba- gamut of of candidates and nobody has over 50 percent. Right. And and again, there, it depends on the rules of how you do it. Some some would say, well, in that case, we go to plurality, Um, uh, the more equitable or the more uh, fair way might be, OK, well, we need another election. Uh, it, it depends on how you decide to do it. But you got to pr- plan for that is all. Well, that's the the issue. You have to plan for it. People have to know what they're doing. I'm wondering. If the stats are out there yet for like New York, how many people just picked the first one and went on their merry way? How many understood what they were doing? It'd be interesting to see the stats from that election to see how that went. 
at the time, the article that I had read about it suggested that uh, more people than not seemed to grasp the idea and and fill out. Uh, I think it was something like 30 percent who only marked one ballot or one uh, entry on the ballot. And most people seemed to have figured it out, at least from the article that I read, which was a week and a half ago. And they haven't even finished the count yet. So I don't know that there's any definite stats, but I don't know. It, every time that you change a system, there is going to be confusion. There's going to be people who don't quite catch on. Uh, you can minimize that by making the system simpler, by improving education. But if, wait, wait, if you wait, have the no, choice, we can't do something crazy like that. If you have the choice between uh, uh, risk confusing people at the ballot or stick with plurality voting indefinitely and always make sure that the only way anybody will ever go to office is if there's an R or a D next to their name. I'll take the confusion. Yeah. Yeah. And that mug is not working for you. Beat that it's, mug. <laughs> Beat that mug. Every, ta- every time I put it down, it's clinking. Yeah. Why is that? Is there like a spoon in it? What's going on? What kind of a weird no, mug is that? Sounds Maybe very put- metallic. Maybe I'm putting it down. No, it's it's like it's got a glass ring around it. Oh, very fancy. The, yeah, it is. And it, like it, I'll have a different mug next time. There was one of those uh, Microsoft mugs up on eBay. If somebody wanted to send one to Bemrose. Blueberry was already threatening to do that. Or maybe, you know, is there nobody in uh, the Microsoft community out uh, there I, who has one? I, actually, can- I, I, I haven't I don't have a lot of confirmation of this yet, but there. There might already be a mug that is on its way here uh, because Bemlet was asking me um, a couple days ago, do I prefer the 11 ounce or the 15 ounce? And of course, the answer is 30. 15 unless you can get 20. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you can go larger, that's always good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that would be good. We want to get you back on your coffee game for. So there is there is a chance that a, a mug might be arriving anyway. I, I, like I said, I'm auditioning mugs. It's all good. Although if your brother is sending it, you might want to have it checked out by. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll be we'll be scrubbing it in the <laughs> autoclave before <laughs> it's set up to exact. He's got a little uh, trying to remove toxins. Well, well, there's that. But I'm just thinking an auto like eject the coffee button, you know, so it separates oh, yeah? the handle from the mug when he presses <laughs> a button. You know, he's listening live and he's like, oh, I don't like what he just said. Press. Boom. Coffee all over. <laughs> or so- or. Or this podcast is getting boring. Let's do something that causes a noise in Bemrose's microphone so that Darren comments on it and derails everything. Let's spice everything up. That's what we do with Grumpy Old Benz, which is why. With with the help of experts. Yes, that's why the experts flock to the show to listen live at noagendastream.com on Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern. And um, that is why they support the show monetarily. And we have a few people to thank for today's show, including a another donation. We had one a few weeks ago from Loretta, a.k.a. Rhett, who says, gentlemen, episode 40 was complete therapy for me. When and, and, and did you go back and figure out which episode number 40 was? It's been a while. I did. It was the operating system episode. Oh, but because uh, we've never ranted about operating systems on any other show. Oh, no. I mean, that was we, we've done that on a lot. Like but today, if you remember, Loretta was new to the show. Yes, and I do. Was doing the uh, what seems insane thing to me, which I, is it, it does feel a little bit like she might hate herself here. <laughs> when you go back to grumpy old Ben's and go, I'm going to start at episode one because I feel like I may be missing something. 
I mean, you are a lot of insanity, a lot of ranting and some really crappy microphone discipline. Well, you've gotten better. You have gotten better. And the audio quality of the show appreciates that. But knowing that somebody is going through, going through the backlog and finding them entertaining, that is a really cool thing because we've done it, it a lot. It pleases me. Yes. I am actually smiling right now. I know it doesn't sound like it because I sound like I'm ranting. But And those first 40 some odd episodes were a completely different concept. They were, we talk about one topic, dive into things in a way that most podcasts don't. It was not a, this is what's going on in the world. It was mainly because you had a list of things you wanted to rant about. And we're yeah, like, yeah. Well, how that, many that I've been building for years. Right. Right. Like, you know, every, every time that I encounter something and I'm like, especially on my commute back and forth to Redmond, where I'm like, every time I hear about some story on the news, I'm like, and I mean, you can translate that, but it always stuck with me because of course, nobody wanted to listen. I could even try ranting at my wife or my brother and they just roll their eyes and walk away. It didn't work. <laughs> and, and the cat, I mean, like when the cat, sits there and then licks himself and then is like, uh, okay, I did not catch any of what you said. It's still a little unsatisfying. So I had a lot of, of pent up rants. No, but I bet you, I bet you feel good when you just like rant for like five minutes and you look at the cat and the cat just looks at you and goes, meow. And you feel that, oh, yeah. like, that's all you need. And we're like, Oh, see, you get it too. You understand. Yes. Except then, you know, then the cat, the cat doesn't, the cat doesn't reciprocate though. Well, you know, that, only- that's why I it's why I do this show. I, I get my rant all out in the open, into the microphone, into the troll room. And then, you know, I finish the show and I need a cigarette. Cats can't be worried about no Microsoft. You know, they got other things to do. But Rhett, who came in with $40 because episode 40 was complete therapy. She says, when working, I was screaming into the wind to get rid of Windows and go to Linux. I'm just now getting around to shit canning Windows 10 and all Microsoft products and all iOS. So that let us know how that goes. Yes. And check your print spooler. Yes. You have to check the print spooler. Uh, I mean, I always thought that was a really bad idea when uh, they came out with the ability for cell phones to print stuff to a printer. I was like, no, you, you want that barrier. But no, I understand. Everybody wants the convenience. Connect everything together except. Then when your phone gets compromised, your network is compromised. When your laptop gets compromised, your whole network gets compromised. I mean, I think with the print thing, it was it was because a lot of people we we started moving to a point where printing wasn't a a thing that you did all the time. And uh, at some point you're like, we don't need a printer attached to every computer. How can we have one printer for a room full of computers? Right. For the whole house. And that's yeah. uh, that makes sense. And that's why they're networked. And, uh, you know, we've got the one here and it is networked. I mean, through- the, the last the last printer I had was was an inkjet of some kind. I don't remember what. And I think I think I printed four pages before the cartridge dried up. And well, I, went, yeah. I guess I don't need a printer ever again. Yeah. We've got a color laser printer. And like I said, I have rarely used it. I mean, it was a great deal when we got the printer. I mean, the, if you really wanted to buy the Xerox, the four cartridges that are the official ones, the toner replacements. Yeah. I mean, it's hundreds of dollars to get. Oh, just- it, yeah. It, it, the, the inkjet, it's such a scam. Like 
I got four pages out of it. And then when I went, I'm like, I need to replace this cartridge. And they're like, that'll be $60 for, for a half an ounce worth of, of, I'm sorry, this uh, per ounce, this stuff is, is possibly the only substance in the world that is more expensive than adrenochrome. It may be. You're probably getting it from the same place too. Same source. Could be. Yes. (laughs) The blood of children goes into those HP printers. We know this. Well, that's what makes it so vibrant. The colors. That's got to be it. I knew there was a, uh, yes, I knew there was a secret. (laughs) Coming in at $10 display citizen who says, keep up the good work. So I'm guessing this was meant for another show. I can't really verify. So we'll keep the 10 bucks. No, no, we did good work. It was back in episode 40. Oh yeah, that's right. That was a while ago. And then we started meandering and we're like, wow, are we going to be able to have enough to talk about that? Even Phil, you know, a half hour episode, maybe an hour. No, no. Turns out. It can easily go two hours. Yeah. We got a late start today, but we are coming right up on the two hour mark right now. Well, we're going to start cutting down on the clips. If we cut down on the clips, yes, we can make that the was, shows. That was the hypothesis. If, if I bring fewer clips to the show and don't play as many jingles. Exactly. Yeah. That is, uh, that will help save at least second per, per show, but coming in at $5, which is a new monthly, I believe is Curtis Peterson. Thank you to everybody that supported today's show. I mean, we're a little light, so we have to tell y'all support grumpy old Ben's man. Be an expert. Don't be a script kitty. Go over to grumpy slash donate. Yes, we need your support so that we can continue bringing you the numbers of how many people died in Chicago every weekend. Yes. I mean, there is a website. Hey, jackass.com that does that, but don't, don't worry don't about give that. Don't away our secrets. Oh yeah. Don't look at that website. If you don't want to be uh, just disgusted, don't look at that website. But you can mash that little subscribe button and that'll take you to PayPal for a one time or monthly donation. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses to go the crypto route. Can, can you really mash it when it's on the screen and does that damage your screen? Well, it depends on the screen. Now, if it's a really good glass, then you should be able to mash it like your, you know, your phone. Yeah. You should be able to mash uh, that. Are pretty we hard. talking like the, like the, the gorilla glass or like right. that sapphire stuff? Or? Yeah, that's good. I mean, you don't want to do it to a monitor that's not touch screen, though. Because you'll probably put your hand right through the the display. Yeah. And, and it, you know, if you use a nub, then then use one of the ones that has like the, the little rubber tip on it. Don't use a hammer or anything. Yeah. And then I can see something on my monitor on the on the surface of it. There's like some kind of scuff. So I really should. I mean, these monitors have been I, going for so many years. and It's just like, well, they still work. There is there is about five minutes a day that I end up with direct sunlight on these monitors if I don't pull the blinds. The rest of the time, I don't even know it's there. But during that five minutes, I look and I'm like, dang, I need some Windex. <laughs> yeah, you got to clean that thing. You got to clean it every once in a while. That's why I got the isopropyl alcohol. Cleans it right up or destroys yes, it. Yes. And that, you, you, yeah. You, so what's the technique? You just like pour a bunch of the alcohol on the monitor and then light it. Right. <laughs> that'll, that'll remove any impurities. Yes. It takes it right off. That's the way you do the uh, the keyboards, too. You just <laughs> you load up a, a microfiber cloth. I did do that once, by the way. You lit the monitor on fire? No, a keyboard. Oh, okay. You lit it on fire. Uh, yeah, yeah. Poured poured a bunch of kerosene into the keys and then lit it just so that we could. It, it was unfortunately it was back before everybody had a camera, so we didn't film this. Oh, so it, it didn't even go viral. It did not go viral. Man. Uh, I mean, there were like five of us watching it in on the basketball court at the frat house. What a waste! What a waste! 
Which I, I guess pretty much describes a lot of what you did in the frat house. <laughs> yeah, I, I had there was about a four year period uh, of, of alternating drunken hangover that I mean, there was a lot of waste. But at least it right. led to a lot of fun dental work in your later it years. It did. It did. And I'm still continuing that today. It also got me a, a piece of paper at the very end, which uh, a blue deuce says that I vastly overestimate the value of. Now, was that your uh, diploma or something else you got from the from the secret? Uh, society? I, I'm, I'm talking about the diploma, Okay, which which uh, a university diploma is a piece of paper which says exactly this. It says that you spent four years of your life to get a piece of paper or more. That is exactly what that piece of paper signifies or less, I guess. Uh, I mean, you know, four five, six depends on how much alcohol you had. 18. I mean, it <laughs> depends how much fun you were having and what kind of yeah. trust fund you have, Hunter Biden. Um, but there's also a P.O. box address. If you want to go that route, we appreciate appreciate everybody that supports Grumpy Old Ben's and listens live when we do these shows live, hanging out in the troll room letting us know when uh, I'm right, when Ryan's wrong, which is usually the way it goes. But, uh, <laughs> we we had a conversation the other day about that. I don't remember what it was, but you were saying something like uh, people love trying to prove you wrong. And, and my response was, yes, but so few are up to the task. Yeah, well, that was I sent uh, through No Agenda Social. I may have to send an email. Somebody send out the uh, the uh, WATP signal for Carl because I was trying to get a hold of Carl. Because I'm like, we maybe want to do a little bit of marketing. And I'm like, here is how you can prove to Bemrose marketing works. And I don't know because he's never mentioned his company. And I'm guessing because of the podcast that he does, he may not want people to know what company I, I, is I mean, his. There, enough information is out there uh, at this point. How, you know, how many, how many Carl's in Rochester, New York, do you know that <laughs> it's, but I, I, it is. It is generally looked down on to dox people, so I'm not going to give up what I know. Right. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want his professional services, it's possible to cyberstalk him. Right. And my, you know, my pitch to him was, you know how much Bemrose hates marketing. Wouldn't you like to help us out and prove him wrong at the same time? You know, give us a break on your uh, on your normal cost for services. We can promote what you do. But, uh, yeah, again, he would would want to. uh to, to do that so maybe he'll get back to us because he knows that your level of uh, sarcasm is alarming and uh, disturbing yes. disturbing yes, yes. And, and alarming and a lot of other things but uh you know we're trying to get grumpy old ben's the word out there do us a favor rate the show wherever you get your podcast and maybe even wherever you don't if you can yes rate, and, and if review. you're if you're using if you're using a new podcast app then uh make sure that you boost so oh yeah smash that, that boost button baby no well, uh, problem yeah, go with windex yes and new uh new podcast apps new or is it new podcasting app new podcast app new podcast apps.com yes yeah. you want to go to that have to have to make it we are contractually obligated as a as a show that plays on the no agenda stream we are contractually obligated to mention that site every show no we are not there's no contract oh that's right Adam doesn't even know where to find us Adam doesn't listen to our show either, so it's not like he can even verify. Just the pre-scream. 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 <laughs> yeah, that is kind of what it is. <laughs> if, I, if we had Alex Jones on before No Agenda, that would be the pre-scream show. Um, but I mean, John forgot my name during the last show. I mean, come on. Get, get John the B12. So I've got an article that comes out of a study from UC San Diego. Oh, well, this has uh, to be good. 
Um, I, well, it, it, it's interesting. And also it's one of those results that we kind of knew in, intuitively. Um, they did a study where uh, it was kind of a meta study. They checked out uh, leading psychology, economic and science journals uh, in order to see what studies were printed in there. And then uh, also what other studies were cited by studies. Cause the, the way that studies are supposed to work is you come out with a result and then somebody else will cite your result and either try to replicate it, try to refute it or, or just build on the information. But you always include the citation so that if, for example, somebody discovers something that makes your study wrong, then that calls into question anything based on it. Um, this is the way it's supposed to work. Turns out that it doesn't usually. Um, what they found was, uh, among other things, they found that uh, they uh, 86% of the papers in these journals had either failed to replicate, uh, had nobody had ever tried to replicate, or they examined the methods and determined that they cannot be replicated. Um, the other thing that they determined is that uh, papers that cannot be replicated are cited by other papers <laughs> 153 times more often than papers that have been replicated. Well, of course, because it's unique. Uh, and and they, the word that they used is interesting. They said uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> we yes that that's what it is um what they determined is that papers which have the most quote interesting results tend to be the papers that either fail to replicate or cannot be replicated now to give a uh, a concrete example um suppose you are a company that makes toothpaste and you decide to pay a bunch of researchers to go out and conclude that your toothpaste makes your teeth whiter than any other. And then a study comes out and uh, then you cite that study in your marketing. And then you pay some other people to cite that study and use it and build on it. And eventually you end up with a highly cited study with an interesting result that has never been replicated or nobody's tried. Or if they, if somebody did try to replicate it, uh, they weren't able to reproduce the results, but it doesn't matter because you've already got your marketing. You've already got all your other studies. You've already cited it over and over again. And as far as anybody outside of the scientific journal is concerned, it's fact. Uh, even if it was proven wrong in uh, a replication study. Um, so the article from uh, UCSD news um pretty much calls this out as a replication crisis. Um, the wait, not problem, a pandemic. It, a little bit, uh, essentially, you know, and by the way, if, if you want to take an example that isn't toothpaste, maybe you could go with a study that says, say, uh, hydroxychloroquine is ineffective against, uh, a, a, a hypothetical disease. No, if you want to see the media in action, there was an article this morning on CNET about ivermectin and they covered both sides and said, well, this side saying this and this side saying this, but it was a very slanted thing that uh, this is, you know, it, 
covering basically what you're talking about here, which is, well, yeah, there's a bunch of reports from like Dr. Corey and the other people. But, you know, there's these other studies which say, no, it had no effect at all. And we're kind of, you know, they didn't straight out say it, but you could tell they were like, well, yeah. So that means the other one is irrelevant and And, and maybe rightfully so. This is uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it the propaganda loophole in science, which is that anybody can publish a study. And the way that science is supposed to work uh, other than, you know, other than the whole thing of peer reviewed and and having your study be even remotely plausible. uh, But but, uh, honestly, it's starting to look like peer reviewing is turning into a bit of a joke. Uh, it, it's pretty obvious, you know, there, there is financial incentive for journals to publish studies. And more importantly, because the journals get money based on how many eyeballs they catch and how many citations their journals get, um, there is incentive to publish interesting results because interesting results get cited more often. And this UCSD thing demonstrates that the, the more interesting the result is, the more likely the study is to be complete and utter bunk that either fails to replicate cannot be replicated or just nobody's bothering. And uh, if, if you want scientific rigor, then the replication step is one of the most important ones you can have. You can come out with the stuff. I can come out with a study that says grumpy old Ben's is the greatest podcast in the world. And if nobody else can reproduce my results, then that study is worth, isn't worth the paper it's printed on but the propaganda loophole is is that people have been conditioned especially people who people who have been conditioned to believe the science people who who now treat science as their new cultish religion the the most important things that the the the, the edicts of the new religion is a study show right you how many must times believe. have you seen that yeah how many times have you seen that in a headline studies show and and that's easy. You can easily get a study, but you're missing the next step, which is let's do what we can to verify the study or more importantly, it, it's just a difference in mindset is somebody needs to go out and try to prove that study wrong. And if they can't, that's evidence the study is good, but nobody tries. Right. You have to be able to recreate things because you don't know if there was an issue with the ingredient you know if you're trying to say mix up a drug for something well maybe you got the ingredients slightly wrong and uh okay well that didn't work but if you had used just a little more or a little less then maybe it would have there's so many uh, variables that go into this kind of stuff that you have to be able for some for a study or anything scientific to make any kind of reasonable sense where you're going to believe it you have to be able to do it over and over and over again and get the exactly. same result. And and here's where the problem is, uh, if I may borrow a term from the woke, uh, it, the problem is systemic. The problem is institutional. And it has to do with, uh, like like so many other things uh, in, in inconvenient economics, it has to do with incentives. Uh, as we pointed out, journals are incentivized because journals make their they make their money by being cited therefore they are incentivized to publish the most interesting results um researchers get grants based on uh, their their prior work based on their publishing uh if you're in academia 
uh, then the absolute most important thing you can possibly do is publish new content. Uh, you are especially incentivized for publishing content that nobody's ever seen before. The result is that, especially in academia, but there is a very strong incentive to publish original work. There is almost no incentive in the scientific community to create studies that merely reproduce somebody else's results. Um, that is the core of the, the replication crisis, which has been going on for a very long time. Uh, and, and we've seen it, you know, every time you see bullshit science out there, whether it be COVID or, or it's climate change or, you know, it's, uh, you know, acid rain or uh, every single time, what you end up with is some unreplicated studies being highly, highly, highly publicized and then politicized and Ultimately, it, it's a miracle if somebody even goes back and tries to replicate these because uh, a scientist, if you know, if, if you are fighting for your grant because you want to eat the next day and somebody is offering you a grant to go create something new or somebody is offering a grant that only has a tenth as much money to go replicate a result that is interesting, but maybe controversial, uh, you're always going to go for the, the more money. So, uh, it, I'm not going to say the system is corrupt, but the system absolutely incentivizes against trying to re- replicate other people's results, which makes it this, corrupt when it comes down. Well, to Maybe it. that's it. And this, by the way, is to say nothing about how much scientists hate being proven wrong and, and they shouldn't, the way science works is that you should be thrilled to get new information, whether that demonstrates what you knew to be right or wrong. But people hate being proven wrong, and there is definitely a culture in a lot of of universities and places where uh, if you prove somebody else's theory wrong, you become a pariah. Even if it's real, that makes no sense because science is, that's all a part of it. Proving something right or proving something wrong is a part of the deal. Now, you're going to be uh, hurting their reputation no question about it but if they publish something that was wrong then you kind of deserve that that's and uh, and if they're doing it for the science they should be happy yes but the problem is that the what motivates a lot of people in in areas like this is not pure science that's like asking somebody to function on pure altruism and if you're uh, I mean, if you are so naive as to believe that everybody will be purely altruistic, if you just ask them to, then I've got some socialism I'd like to sell you. <laughs> but if, if it's not just, oh, because I want to make the world, but you, you'd you like to think that that's the goal that I mean, that's absolutely what we'd love to incentivize. That's that's what we want. We want more knowledge for the world that that is the righteous outcome. But. Well, a lot of people get in because maybe they want to make money on grants and hey, why not? Uh, they might get in because they couldn't hack it in the real world and stayed in academia. Um, I think that a, a large number of them and, and not trying to accuse any particular one, but a large number of them get in because they want recognition. They want to be thought of as you're a smart person who is learns new things and and I tell you what, getting your name on a paper that hits the front page of the New York Times is got to be a rush. And do you really want the next day somebody to come out and be like, actually, I proved your paper wrong? Yes. I mean, that's that's a, a pretty crushing blow to the ego, not to mention your chance of getting future grants. 
But that's why you don't publish things until you test, test, and test. And if that's the case here. It's it's why you shouldn't publish anything until you are certain that you've done it in in a scientifically rigorous manner. Yes, that can be reproduced to get the same results. I mean, it's not, I was going to say, it's not, you know, rocket science, but maybe it is. I don't know that uh, this, I guess, is this a disproving, though, of the whole socialist thing? Because if somebody's smarter than somebody else, that's not equity. You know, if somebody came up with something first, that's not oh, yes, equity. Yes, Well, no. Harrison Bergeron had, uh, they had the solution to that. Kill everybody? Is, well, no, no. If, if uh, what was it? If, if you're too strong, then you have to carry weights around every day. And if you're too smart, then you had to wear headphones that would play distracting sounds uh, periodically. You have to compensate. And, yeah. That right. was uh, a, a great short story. Uh, Vonnegut, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah. the story is Harrison Bergeron and everybody who wants to see where uh, equality of outcome will lead us should read this story and understand it as a cautionary tale. Yeah. And not one that might happen in 50 or 100 or 1,000 years like. It's one that's happening right now in yeah. a lot of places. Wake up. You got to see it. You know, science, though, as long as there's money involved, you're absolutely right. That's the one point you could be like, hey, everybody that hates capitalism. Yeah. When there's money involved, people are possibly going to be incentivized to skew the results of what they're doing in order to get a bigger payday. And uh, which is why it and is. we're not talking the candy bar. No. Although they're good. Which is why it's important that these things are verified. And uh, it's kind of sad that the scientific community is getting to that point to where one person, and we talked about this just with news overall, which, again, I hate the fact that I remember this woman's name, Rachel Brummert. When COVID started, she was the one that, oh, I never left my house. I didn't go anywhere. I had my groceries delivered and I must have got the COVID from the grocery bags. And, uh, you know, it turned out yeah. she did go to a pharmacy. Or, or tainted testing equipment. Yeah, quite possibly. But the reality was her story was reported on by one small television station in her area in like South Carolina or wherever it was. And then it was picked up on a website. And because it was th- interesting. Right. Interesting. And then it wound up going all over the world. I think we found it on news sources in the UK. I know for sure, Australia, for sure. I think it was like India. I mean, it was all over the world that this story was picked up based upon one source. And when you're doing it with an idiotic story, that's one thing. When it's science that you're like, well, here's a new discovery and people just start treating it as fact. And then, of course, if you're just somebody that's researching this, you're like, wow, look, these thousand people all cite this. It must be right. Yeah. And and I. I, I wonder, did they ever do a replication on that study? Oh, I'm sorry. Anecdote? I don't know. Because the difference between a study and an anecdote is uh, is not much in the minds of, of the average layperson. Because, of course, you know, p- neither public school nor the media is ever highlighting that distinction. Well, you know, critical race theory will take care of that all. Will it? No. No, we're doomed. We are doomed. <laughs> we are doomed. We're doomed, and you can be too. Yes. <laughs> if but, you go to grumpyoldbens.com and donate. Yes. We can all be doomed together. I mean, if you're going to do anything, do it together. I don't know. That, that seems like very fatalistic, but you want to be a part of that. Trust me. Yes. You, the world is ending. 
Right Send us all of your cash. Right, right when I said that, my wife walked through here, and I think she just judged me. She does it all the time. As long as oh. she didn't hear the last show. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't listen to the show, and I'm thankful for that. I'm I'm safe. Yes, that's because good. she didn't hear what I said about her last Friday. Yes, and I said I was very surprised. If we can close just talking about no agenda yesterday. Now she's waving nipple clamps at me. Well, that's uh, probably a bad sign for you. We're very good, but but we have to wait until I'm off microphone. It wasn't mentioned that Adam Curry called the vaccine a good vaccine. I thought for sure that clip would have come up on no agenda. People were giving me all sorts of crap about that, too, which it was great because everything I'd learned from no agenda prepared me to spin that clip in any way I wanted to. And I thought that was genius. Well, I it, and being able, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that you learn, you know, if, if you're going to go into politics or acting, you, you've got to learn how to take whatever you've got and make up whatever narrative you need from it. I, I looked at that and it was, I, I mean, you, you, you brought the, the clip cause I did, I didn't watch the show and I looked at it and I'm like, well, yeah, a couple things going on here. One is that uh, the the situation is more nuanced than just vaccines good or vaccines bad. Yes, that's. I mean, that's the the most obnoxious thing. Anybody who uses the phrase anti-vax, the most obnoxious thing about that is that just using that phrase seems to suggest that you you lump everything everything that fits in a needle and can be called a vaccine all into exactly the same category. And there's wide differences in, in safety and quality and what they do. Okay. You know, but I think that the, it's more nuanced than that. And more importantly, or, or, well, maybe not, but, but I, I think that Adam was, he was talking to Joe. Joe is uh, not necessarily as skeptical as people in the no agenda community. And Adam wanted to make sure that for the purpose of of keeping his friend Joe and more importantly, uh, of creating a quality show that he didn't go off on or, or, or cause. Yeah. Do you remember the second time that Adam was on Rogan? Yeah, but he, Joe he mentioned a few things and Joe was so scatterbrained <laughs> that he just kept going off on tangents left and right and left and right. And no, nobody could stay on the topic. Well, Adam was making a point, and if Adam had said, well, you know, this vaccine is not a good vaccine, Joe would have latched onto that and shot off in whatever direction he was going, and that tangent would never have ended. So if Adam wanted to stay on topic, I think he had to. But it was interesting, like I said, because the words that were said, and I was talking about that in the troll room, and I forget who I was talking to, but they were like, well, yeah, but I have years of listening to Adam. So I know what he meant. And I responded with, well, I've been listening for years to Adam too. And he told me when people do stuff like this, it's the truth wants to come out. And it was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. It's like this. I mean, this was the beauty of it. What's like, cause I think I know what he meant as well, but it was like, this is just so insidious the way anything can be twisted at this point. And it gets back to the question we've asked for multiple episodes now, which is, how do you really get to the truth? And I don't think you can ever. Uh, and yeah, well, far be it from me to pick apart in the minutia of what somebody says or how they say it. You know, for example, 
Uh, I, you will never, ever on Grumpy Old Ben's hear one more story about Charlie Oscar X-Ray Cable. That that company, no matter what technical <laughs> things they do, I am never going to mention it again. I, I wasn't going to bring that clip. So uh, you're lucky. Thanks to Blom. Was it that I was uh, honestly surprised you didn't. I know. <laughs> we don't we're not a clip show, but I, I, I will say you could go to a comic strip blog dot com. And during this show, he has a new doodle, which is an older dude says, when I was young, we had printers and there's a little younger dude looking at him all bug eyed. And the younger dude says, Grandpa, you're almost as boring as G.O.B. podcast. <laughs> That is high praise. Yes. That's all I'm saying. Yes, it is. We love CSB. He's an expert. And uh, yeah, we had printers. Believe it or not, kids, these things, we had paper, too. You used to put it in. You used to print things on them. And uh, people used to find that good. Now, the whole concept is is completely the opposite. We have one of those little I, uh, that document scanners that you could put like 50 sheets in. And like three seconds later, it's all digitized. Then you're just getting rid of paper. But uh, oh, as long as we're pulling stuff out of out of NAS, um, I, I, I love uh, Graybeard had a response to CSB's comic says uh, CSB had pointed that the comic you just read said it was a random cartoon inspired by our jibber jabber today. And Graybeard says this shit doesn't seem very random, bro. <laughs> it never does. I've said that a few times to <laughs> CSB. It's none of his stuff is ever random. It is not. It is always very pointed. And he's like, but it's just a random subject. It's like, well, yeah, but that doesn't mean it is random. But I mean, now, since we're talking about that, this is what I just grabbed here. I mean, since since somebody was nice enough to uh, to put this together, I guess I can play this for everybody. Uh, no, no, we don't need to play it. We should shut the show down. OK, right after this. How do you uh, usually I'm, end these shows like this? I'm going to take you back to 2018. Oh, no, I, we're done. Um, I. We, we can stop I now. I myself some Cox. Just in honor of John C. Dvorak, I picked up Cox. Damn. Cox. 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 You love use of hot mail. Cox. Yeah, you can get that whole thing on uh, No Agenda Social. If you know where to look. In on the Fediverse. It was highly produced. Maybe we should get some clips. People can start requesting them for like karma, stuff like that. Clips seem to work for some shows, but not for us. I mean, I did ask for that one. So I guess to be fair, you, you knew that was going to show up, but that was from Blom and we thank you, Blom. But any other stories you got or is the, was that a, you're still, you're muted. Maybe you went to the bathroom. He thought we were going to play the whole thing and uh, probably ran off to the bathroom. I mean, I would say it was a rage quit. But I don't think you can rage quit if you're still connected. But I thought that was a good beat. I mean, uh, Blom's got the, he's got the goods going down. And maybe we need more clips. We need more clips to keep the show moving, to add a little bit of variety, a little bit of spice. You never know. I think it would work. But maybe, maybe that is, maybe Bemro, maybe that is the last you will ever hear of Ryan Bemrose. That, that's the sound you just heard was called a rage quit. <laughs> that was, it's not a rage I, quit. I, either you, that, or, either that or I just take, took the opportunity to go pee. Well, I said that and I only played like a third of the clip. Oh, <laughs> I stopped I, it. I was going to say, I knew, I knew the clip was pretty long and I'm like, well, screw it. I got time. I'm like, I'm like, and I told everybody, I'm like, this could have been a rage quit, but he's just muted and still connected. So that's not a good rage quit. 
Not exactly. And I was, I was I've pra- never been very good at it. Yeah, I was praising Blom and saying maybe we need more of this kind of stuff to spice up the show where people when they donate, you know, I'm hey, skeptical. You know, if you want to hear the Blom clip, it's you got to got to donate. You got to donate enough to get your note read and then you can request the Blom clip of Bembro saying C O X. Right. Right. Except we don't we don't need to ever listen to that again. Ever. It's available on No Agenda Social for those of you who know where to look. Go to Blom. You can see Blom, B-L-O-M, and you can uh, you can pop that see, down there. You know, I've generally been against anything being censored from No Agenda Social, <laughs> but I might be turning around my opinion. It depends who the target is. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. And Vox said, nice filling of dead air, Darren. See, that's what I do. I fill the dead air. I pump the wattage into your cottage. We blast the bass all over your face. And we stream the bits and bites for the dames and knights, whether Ryan is here or not. That's just the way this works. But I think that's uh, closing out the show for today. We'll be back on uh, Monday, right? This is Friday. Yes. Yeah. Monday is. Uh, yes, that, we will be back. Well, that's a threat. But we yes, will. we will. <laughs> With uh, more of all the news that is fit to print into your ear holes. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill. Coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside a shy rack, where I'm waiting for Ryan Bemrose to actually rage quit. And from America's left coast, kicking and streaming, I'm Ryan Bemrose. And it's not recommended to go kicking and streaming when you're in the bathroom. It just gets messy.